When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. To Sid and Friends in the Morning. Uh, well, we have no Sid, and so far we only have a singular friend. That friend is yours truly, Frank Morano. With you for the next hour, I'm sort of the appetizer before the main course, the entree of uh, two of the brightest and best-connected broadcasters in all of New York, John Katsimatidis and Dominic Carter, who are coming your way from 7 to 10. Now, uh, we're starting off this morning with the musical stylings of Sir Paul McCartney. Now, is that Paul McCartney in Wings, Ludafino? That is correct, Frank Morano. You're yeah. right on it. And Paul McCartney was in, he was in some band before Wings. For the life of me, I can never remember which one I'll that it, it was. Uh, but, uh, it was, uh, it was, it, it did well. It did well. And I'm starting to think Paul McCartney may have a future in this uh, music business. Certainly very talented. All right. Uh, a lot to get to. We're going to try and get to as much as we can in the course of the next hour. I'll tell you all the news that you need to know for the hour. One piece of news, which I found quite interesting is, and if you don't know who I am, uh, I am nocturnal, usually. Uh, if you ever can't sleep at night, I am the guy that uh, will help you get some sleep because <laughs> I'm on from 1 to 5 a.m., and uh, a lot of people, uh, I keep them company if they can't sleep. I'm the guy that uh, keeps them company as they're driving home late from uh, being out on the town or as they're driving to work if they're working super early hours or if they happen to be working overnight hours. And someone asked me uh, something yesterday in the first hour of the program, because the first hour of, it's usually on Fridays, but yesterday we did it on Thursdays, is always ask Frank anything. We give people an opportunity to ask about whatever they want to, whatever they want to ask about. And somebody asked me yesterday about the newest candidate for president, someone who has a very familiar name when it comes to presidential politics. I, I'm thinking about it. Um, 
I, you know, I'm past the biggest hurdle, which is that my wife has green-lighted it. <laughs> and, that, of course, is Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the son of one of the f- most famous men of the 20th century, former New York senator and former attorney general of the United States, Robert Kennedy, and obviously the nephew of former uh, former President John F. Kennedy. Now, obviously, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Sr., when he ran for president back in 1968, was unfortunately killed. At that time, he was the senator from New York. Lou Rufino, let me ask you a little bit of trivia here, because you're pretty good of trivia of all types. Uh, when Robert F. Kennedy was unfortunately very tragically killed in 1968, who was it that became the senator from New York after Robert F. Kennedy? He was appointed by the governor to fill the vacancy. Who was it? Who took over for Robert Kennedy? Was that uh, the Rockefeller days? That was the Rockefeller days, yes. So so you're doing well. You're on the right track. So you're thinking he probably then appointed a Republican and probably a liberal Republican. Who did he appoint? Uh, 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 I'd say Sharpton is out. No, let's cross that one out. Uh, My next guess is uh, Sid sucks, Sid sucks, Sid sucks. Uh, That's very funny. Are you the guy that calls in and says... uh, I cannot reveal that information. I'm sorry. All right, you want to give up? I I think I have to give up at this point. So, um, Of course I'm going to hit myself when you give the answer. You will. I'm going to tell you what. The person that took over for Robert F. Kennedy when he was killed as a senator from New York was... Charles Goodell. Um, He was a congressman, and then he was appointed to the U.S. Senate to take over for Robert Kennedy. Uh, Does the name Charles Goodell mean anything to you? That is a zero for me. That's a zero. Okay. I do not know. Okay. In addition to being former senator and former congressman from New York, he was the father of current NFL commissioner Roger Goodell. Uh, So now you know. The rest of the story. So uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I find uh, very interesting. Obviously, because of his last name, he has a degree of name recognition that most other would-be challengers to an incumbent president wouldn't have. And because he's been so outspoken on the uh, vaccine issue, which there are a lot of left-wing people that uh, aren't, aren't about these vaccines, but mostly the sense that I get is most of Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s criticism of vaccines, of uh, Anthony Fauci, of a lot of the things that went, went on during COVID, while there is a sector of the, of the left that is all about that, that is something that generally tends to be more popular on the right. Here's what uh, he said in January of 2022 on the vaccine issue. They know this is going to kill and injure a huge number of children, but they need to do it for the liability protection. And here's how they know that it's going to injure kids. During the Pfizer study, they only tested it on 1,300 children. And one of those we now know was a girl called Maddie Gary. We only know about this. Because she and her family came forward and told them what told us what happened. Maddie Gary got the vaccine. She immediately went into seizures. She is now in a wheelchair for life, and she needs a feeding tube to eat. So 
Pfizer, you know, because Pfizer only tests on 1,300 kids, it is stuck with the, with the extrapolation. And one out of every 1,300 kids is going to be injured like that, an injury worse than death. So a uh, couple of quick questions that strike me about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., that message that I just uh, that I just uh, played for you, uh, critical of vaccines, critical of Fauci. I would say that there are segments of the right that that's going to be much more popular with than segments of the left, particularly given the fact that the uh, two RNA uh, mRNA vaccines that were developed that are in widest use, Moderna and Pfizer, uh, but also Johnson Johnson, those were developed as a result of an initiative by Donald Trump. So it's not something that I get the sense that Donald Trump wants a lot of credit for now, but it is true that it was his administration and Operation Warp Speed, which spearheaded the uh, development of these vaccines. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is uh, evidently planning on running as a uh, Democrat. And that makes sense. He's always been a Democrat. His whole family is Democrat, although I think John F. Kennedy Jr. was an independent, at least for a time. Um, I'm wondering, and this is a serious question that I want you to weigh in on at 800-848-9222. Would Robert F. Kennedy Jr. be more successful instead of running as a, a Democrat against an incumbent president? Would he be more successful running as a third party candidate? Because uh, chances are there are at least some Republicans that are disenchanted with the Republican leadership that would be receptive to what he's saying, and uh, at least some independents who would be receptive to what he's saying. Because chances are, running against Joe Biden, he is going to get the same, I don't know, he'll get sort of the anybody but Biden vote, and maybe that'll be divided between he and Marianne Williamson in the Democratic primary, and then that'll be that. It is interesting, whenever there's a serious challenger to an incumbent president from their own party, that person generally doesn't end up getting reelected. You remember, uh, certainly that was the case with uh, George H.W. Bush in 1992. Very strong challenge from, um, you know, from uh, Pat Buchanan didn't get reelected in the general, even though that he was renominated. That was certainly the case with Gerald Ford back in 1976. Very strong challenge from Reagan, got renominated, but not reelected. And in 1980, who can forget what happened, where uh, there was a spirited, spirited Democratic challenge to the incumbent president at that time, Jimmy Carter. Uh, from none other than Ted Kennedy. Ted Kennedy gave him a run for his money. And then uh, those comments, those commercials, those interviews of uh, Kennedy being critical of uh, Jimmy Carter were then used by Ronald Reagan's campaign in the general election. So if Robert F. Kennedy Jr. can actually get some traction here with his candidacy, I do wonder if he continues on the path that he's currently on, which is running as a Democrat, if that would um, make it so that... uh, Biden has a tough time in the primaries and then by extension if history is any guide in the general election as well. The other thing that I wonder is, look, obviously uh, Robert F. Kennedy's name, his first and his last name, has opened a lot of doors for him. I'm sure it's opened a lot of doors for him uh, politically. I'm sure it's er opened a lot of doors for him in in terms of donors to his health care group. 
I'm sure it's opened a lot of opportunities for him to be in media, maybe even some legal opportunities. I do wonder, though, electorally these days, does the Kennedy name help or hurt? Because if you think about it, while uh, there was a time when there were Kennedys everywhere, it's been a while since a Kennedy won a major election. Even in Massachusetts, we saw back in uh, three years ago, uh, Joe Kennedy III ran a primary against Democratic Senator Ed Markey. That was in Massachusetts. And what happened? He lost. You have um, the wife of Patrick Kennedy, Amy Kennedy, just ran for Congress in New Jersey, in the Cape May and South Jersey area. She lost. So um, I don't know if that Kennedy name still has the marquee magic that it did in 1960 with uh, John F. Kennedy, that it did in 1968 with Robert F. Kennedy, and even in, um, you know, for the 40 or 50 years that uh, Ted Kennedy was using it uh, to get elected. So um, those are two questions that I have with respect to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. One, would he be better off running as a third-party candidate? Two, uh, does that name recognition help or hurt? And then the third has to do with what you just heard in terms of the clips that we just played. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Um, has a condition, and I know uh, some people that have had this condition, which affects his uh, voice. It's, um, it, it's, it, it's a rare disorder. It's called spasmodic dysphonia, I believe. It, they also call it laryngeal dystonia. And I do wonder, you know, everyone says that if everybody had a television set back in 1932, this country probably would not have elected a man in a wheelchair. If everybody in this country, a majority of people in this country, had a television set in 1952, we might not have elected a bald president. Isn't it interesting that uh, since 1960 which was the first year that uh, the majority of Americans have had a television set in their home. Isn't it interesting that we have not elected a bald president? Well, I do wonder, in this age of television, radio, electronic communications, sound bites galore, will America elect a man, and I'm sorry if this sounds superficial, but I'm just asking the question. I'm not saying I would vote based on this. Would America elect a man that sounds like this? The other really disconcerting part of this pandemic response has been what I call the information chaos, the orchestrated confusion and fear, the complete absence of any good information on all the things that our public health agencies ought to be telling us so that we can individually, with our physicians, evaluate the risk. We were manipulated, and the press was manipulated in telling us all that every American faced the same threat as elderly people. And that meant that we could not have a rational response that protected the vulnerable and protected people in our livelihoods, our culture, our political freedoms, our constitutional rights, and our values, which are all ultimately public health issues. 
I, I'm sorry to say this, but I'll be honest. Unless you're a hardcore devotee of the various things that uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. talks about, I think there are a lot of Americans that are going to perceive Kennedy as being weak because his voice sounds weak. I'm not saying I would, but um, I think a lot of people are going to judge him that way because I think a lot of Americans have a tendency to judge people in superficial terms. What do you think, objectively? Uh, 800-848-9222. And then the last thing I'll say on the Kennedy front is I don't agree with what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. says on uh, vaccines. However... He tweeted something a couple of days ago, and this was before I even knew that he was officially going to move forward towards running for president, that I agree with 100 percent. And I retweeted it yesterday, and you can find me on Twitter, at Frank Morano. But this is what he said, and I think he's 100 percent on the money on this one. The collapse of U.S. influence over Saudi Arabia and the kingdom's new alliances with China and Iran are painful emblems of the abject failure of the neocon strategy of maintaining U.S. global hegemony with aggressive projections of military power. China has displaced the American empire by deftly projecting instead economic power. Over the past decade, our country has spent trillions bombing roads, ports, bridges, and airports, China spent the equivalent building the same across the developing world. The Ukraine war is the final collapse of the neocons' short-lived American century. The neocon projects in Iraq and Ukraine have cost $8.1 trillion, hollowed out our middle class, made a laughingstock of U.S. military power and moral authority, pushed China and Russia into an invincible alliance, destroyed the dollar as the global currency, cost millions of lives, and done nothing to advance democracy or win friendships or influence. That was one of those tweets where, you know, you read Twitter, you look at your phone. That was one of those tweets where I read it and I slammed my fist on my desk saying, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. So I would have a tough time voting for Robert Kennedy, but I have to tell you, uh, I'm glad that he's running because currently the Democratic Party doesn't have a voice on foreign policy like this, uh, bringing a non-interventionist role to the debate. They have in years past, uh, People when people like Dennis Kucinich and Mike Gravel were running for president, but uh, this year, it looks like Robert Kennedy is going to be the person holding on to that mantle. I hope there are debates. Uh, there probably won't be. Uh, the typical strategy for an incumbent president like this is just to ignore Robert Kennedy. But uh, I, uh, I, I hope there are. At le- I'd love to see at least one debate. So uh, we'll get into those three aspects of Kennedy's uh, candidacy. One, would he be better off as a third-party candidate? Two, is does his name, that Kennedy name, help him or hurt him electorally these days? Three, um, is that voice going to turn voters off? And uh, a w- bunch of other stuff we're going to get into as well, including uh, my Lenten fast ends today. You know what I gave up for Lent? I gave up I gave up booze. Well, of all the days that there could be a negative news story about alcohol, I had to go and read this one today. 
I'll depress you if you also gave up booze for Lent and are ready to start imbibing again with some disturbing news on the alcohol front. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning, or as we call it today, the Dominic Carter, John Katsimatidis pregame show. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. Frank Moreno, uh, you can normally hear me from 1 to 5 a.m. weekday mornings. If you ever miss that show, if you're never not awake, how dare you? You can catch up on the podcast. Just go to WABCRadio.com and uh, scroll down to the other side of midnight. Got to get to your calls in uh, just a moment at 800-848-9222. Two open lines if you want to jump on board. I would say, uh, well, I thought yesterday's first hour went really well that we are off to a much better start than yesterday's show. Here's what happened yesterday. I'll be very honest with you. Hopefully hopefully nobody important is listening. So I get off the air at 5, and, you know, I'm pretty tired. That's basically the what's normally the end of my day. I prepare for the show a little bit. I look through the papers. I say, what am I going to talk about? I would make some notes to myself. And then I said, all right, well, I got half hour here. Maybe I can take a quick nap. So I go into, I find this room intentionally that works for two levels. One, it's very dark. It's a room that the video people use. Very dark. And very little light in there. Looks like almost like you're in a space station. Two, the chairs in there are super uncomfortable. So I'm thinking, all right, if I can somehow fall asleep in here because of the darkness... I'm not going to be able to stay asleep because the chairs are so uncomfortable. So the next thing I know, I am sound asleep and I am roused awake in a hurry 
by uh, our producer, Justin Ellick. Says, Frank, show starting. I said, oh, okay. And I think I sounded pretty good once we got here. But I thought I made it in time for the show. Little did I know that um, I was getting a myriad of text messages from listeners who were expected to hear me at 6 o'clock. Only to find that um, because I guess I didn't tell anyone where I was going to be attempting to sleep in the time that it took them to find me, there was a minute of Sid that played as I was stumbling groggily to the microphone. So uh, today I have managed to stay awake for all of the last 90 minutes. I would say we are ahead of the game thus far. So I apologize to uh, everybody that I might have panicked. And I am... Um, Sorry to people that are disappointed that they didn't get to hear a Sid rerun instead. Meantime, uh, what's on your mind? 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Norman is in Brooklyn. Hello, Norman. Good morning, Frank. Morning. Um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., I heard him speak at an anti-mandate rally, oh, God, about two years ago. And I was a Republican at the time. And everybody in the audience was, uh, not everybody, but many people, were in tears, uh, uh, and you had a lot of hardcore Republicans at the time, hardcore kind of conservative people. And I think he's the kind of person that could broach uh, the two major parties. Um, I, I, but the major problem is that voice. Mm. I, I don't think he can overcome that. Yeah, I mean, I hate to I hate to be so superficial, uh, but I think you're right. I think a lot of people are going to have a tough time with that, uh, Norman. 800-848-9222. I'll be honest, I have um, a family member who has this, and there are times when I kind of end the conversation a little earlier than I would. It's, you know, sometimes when Joan Rivers had a radio show, I don't know if you remember that, years ago she had a radio show on WOR, her voice would get very, um, it wasn't like Kennedy, but it was very weak and raspy. Her voice would go, th- her voice would go through you. And there were times when I had to change the channel, even though I found myself enjoying a lot of the things that she was saying. I just wonder if this is going to be trying people's patience to some extent. 800-848-9222 if you want to weigh in. Now, I've been delaying telling you about this because I have not had a drop of alcohol for 40 days. And um, some people would call me a um, a heavy drinker. Other people would call me a moderate drinker. But chances are the only people that would call me a moderate drinker are folks that um, are doing a reenactment of the Dudley Moore film, Arthur. Now, uh, I've been without booze for 40 days. And today's my day to after the after the the, whole, the evening comes. That's my day to start drinking alcohol again. Right? There are different interpretations of if it's today, if it's tomorrow, if it's Sunday. My interpretation is it's Holy Thursday after that mass that everybody talks about. And lo and behold, of all days, you know, like the Passover question goes, why is today different from all other days? Lo and behold, moderate drinking has no health benefits. None. Analysis of decades of research finds. This is not a self-reported online survey. This is a real review. 
And the review found that the methodology of many previous studies, which would show, hey, glass of wine a day is good for you. Beer or two a day is great for you. I took that to mean maybe not a beer a day, but maybe six beers every six days. Um, so all of those apparently are flawed. And um, now it looks like after looking at more than 40 years of research, they have concluded the opposite of many of those studies. The review found that the risk of dying prematurely increased significantly for women once they drank uh, 25 grams of alcohol a day, which is less than two cocktails. And for men, um, the risks to men increase significantly at 40 grams, uh, 45 grams of alcohol per day. That's over just over three drinks. I'm amazed I'm alive right now, if that's the key, if that's the situation. So uh, that is a bummer. I wish they would have come out with that a week or two from now. All right, uh, we're going to talk to uh, with uh, Lori Blanchard and get an update on the roads. Uh, but a few of you have been patiently holding. I want to get at least one more call in, and the rest of you will get to you throughout the hour. Lou is in Queens. Hello, Lou. How you doing, Frank? Um, so it has nothing to do with being superficial. Um, if if you're going to be a carpenter, but you you have no skill set for carpentry, you, you know you wouldn't think you're being superficial to say to somebody. You're not a great carpenter. Um, it's, it's to listen, and you labor to listen to somebody with that condition. And so it's not to disparage them. It's not being superficial. It's just being authentic and, and being true and giving analysis and saying that, you know, you can't go far with that voice because even to make any presentation, it's a labor to listen mm. to that. And you brought up the word patience, and that's that's exactly what it is. So. He doesn't have a shot with that. Unfortunately, the voice precludes him from from advancing in in any public speaking. Well, uh, uh, Lou, I hear you. I I hear you. And I think you might be right. Honestly, I appreciate the call. And I'd love it if someone would disagree. And I'd love it if someone would offer an alternative view because, look, I mean, technically that shouldn't affect his ability to be president, right? His brain still works. His opinion still works. I mean, I think he's a long way from getting elected for things that have nothing to do with the voice. But I'm, uh, I do wonder if that is going to try people's patience. All right. We're going to check in with Lori Blanchard with traffic in just a moment. But right now, it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. You know, I love these minicasts. Ten minutes, you feel like you're caught up on a whole show. Get the whole story in just under ten New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's minicast is from the Rita Cosby Show talking about Donald Trump. We now have Taiwan threatening us, rather China threatening us, during this visit of the Taiwan president who met with McCarthy and other members of Congress today. So we've got an emboldened China who is now doing some military exercises. You got it clearly an emboldened Russia. You got an emboldened Iran. Uh, you got massive crime in so many streets across America. And what is Alvin Bragg doing? And what is the Democratic Party doing? They're focused on trying to bring Trump down for a process crime. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by P. Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers, starting with hoops here. The Nets beat down on the Pistons in Detroit last night. Final score being 123-108. to Mikel Bridges once again led Brooklyn in scoring with his 26 points, leading the Nets to a victory. That brings their magic number down to one with just two games remaining on the regular season schedule. They'll see if they can bring that number down to zero and clinch that Eastern Conference succeed tomorrow night when they welcome in the Orlando Magic. The Knicks were victorious as well, beating the Pacers in Indiana by a score of 138 to 129. Emmanuel quickly showed out once again in place of the absent Jalen Brunson, pouring in a game high 39 points. Quentin Grimes was right behind quickly in the box score, going for a career high 36 points in his 43 minutes on the floor. The Knicks will try and keep it up against uh, the Pelicans in New Orleans come tomorrow night on the Diamond. The Yankees put the finishing touches on another series win with their 4 to 2 victory over the Philadelphia Phillies yesterday. The Yanks were clinging on to a 2 0 lead when Jose Trevino came up in the seventh inning and set a two run shot into the left field bleachers to double the Bombers' lead. Ace Garrett Cole was great on the bump once again going a strong six and a third yielding just one earned run over three hits up next for the Yanks is a three-game set with the division rival Orioles they'll kick things off in Baltimore come tomorrow afternoon now for the Mets who endured a miserable three days in Milwaukee getting swept by the Brewers after the seven to six loss in the finale yesterday game was tied at six when Milwaukee's Garrett Mitchell stepped up to, uh, in the bottom of the ninth just to break the Mets hearts with a walk-off jack they'll see if they can uh, pick up the pieces in the home opener set for tomorrow afternoon against the Miami Marlins and finally on the ice the Rangers took care of the Tampa Bay Lightning at home, beating them by a score of 6-3. to three. Kreider and Mott each netted a pair in route to the victory. That gives the Blue Shirts five W's in their last seven tries. They'll see if they can stay hot tonight in St. Louis when they face it off with the Blues at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Ice hockey to look forward to tonight. Devils back in action. They welcome in the Columbus Blue Jackets at 7 p.m. and at 7.30, the Islanders will host the Tampa Bay Lightning. Here with sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Sid and friends in the morning. I'm Frank Morano sitting in for Sid Rosenberg this hour. And then uh, Dominic Carter. Uh, we will say welcome back, Carter, to him as uh, he and John Katsimatidis take you the rest of the way. I'm going to take your calls in a moment, 800-848-9222. I am not the biggest traveler in the world, but I've been trying to I've been trying to travel more. I feel like that's a thing that people that people should do and it's good to have new experiences and I'm trying to be more open-minded and not be in such a rut and not try to not be so curmudgeonly so I've been trying to travel more and plan to travel more and get new experiences and I'll tell you what place I am putting on my list I'm moving up 
on my play, list of places to visit one day. And it's always been there, and I'll tell you why, and I'll tell you why I'm moving it up. The place is Taiwan. And the reason it's always been on my list is I believe, and I'm a little paranoid, and I've seen how the federal criminal justice system works and the Department of Justice works, I believe that there's a good chance that one day I may be charged with a federal crime. And again, I haven't committed any crimes, but that doesn't stop you from being charged. And I have kind of played out in my head where I would go if I had to become a fugitive. And um, and you look at all the countries that have no extradition treaty with the United States, most of them are quite unpleasant. Afghanistan, I don't have a big desire to go there. Um, you know, I don't have a big desire to go to Bahrain, Bangladesh. So you look at all the countries that don't extradite to the United States, Cuba, probably a little too hot there. Saudi Arabia, I think my, uh, my drinking might get me the, my head chopped off and whatever chop chop square they have there iran not a country that uh, that i'd want to go to i think they whipped people for uh dancing to the song uh, come on get happy not for me and then so you kind of left with andorra and taiwan i don't know much about andorra i'm interested in andorra but um taiwan because it's a territory not formally recognized by the United States, no extradition treaty here. They don't extradite. And I do like Asian food. And if you ever go to uh, China in Epcot Center, all the waiters in all the restaurants are supposed to be from all the countries of origin. You're supposed to get, you know, you're being served in Epcot, Italy, by Italian people, and the same. If you go to the China in Epcot, most of the people there aren't usually from mainland China. They're usually either from Hong Kong or Taiwan. So I'm thinking maybe I could get some really good Chinese food. Taiwan is doing something that I think is so interesting. While many countries continue to struggle to bring back tourism uh, to where it was before the pandemic, places like Hong Kong and regions in Italy have turned to offer free travel, even free houses to encourage people to visit. But the latest place to try something like this is Taiwan. Listen to what they're doing. The government is offering tourists 5000 new Taiwan dollars per traveler just to visit. Now, that's a country that's pretty dedicated to uh, tourism. Somebody that uh, I don't think is in need of those 5,000 new Taiwan dollars uh, is uh, somebody that's done pretty well on his own right. Happens to be uh, not only the the owner of WABC, but the man who's going to be filling in for Sid for the next three hours. Did a great job along with Rita Cosby yesterday. A best-selling author of the book, How Far Do You Want to Go? John Katsimatidis. Good morning, John. That's that's Trump change, $5,000 in Taiwan. Uh, uh, President Biden... Uh, we're offering $15,000, $10,000 for the migrants coming in <laughs> and $700 a day rooms. Well, and, uh, I mean, you know, uh, they're online on, on, on the Rio Grande 
to come in. That's right. And that's true. I guess maybe the, if you want to make some money, forget about going to Taiwan, break into the United States. That's Some, the somebody wants to get into the United States. Why wait for a visa? <laughs> You know, fly to Mexico, walk in. Uh, John, while while we're here together, and uh, great, I really enjoyed yesterday's show with Rita. I thought it was a terrific interview that you guys did with uh, David Schoen. I heard. heard. It was very funny, but it was also very sad. Uh, Let me ask you, you know a thing. By the way, I understand there was 100,000 uncounted votes, but it doesn't mean anything. You know, if it's 100,000 uncounted votes in Chicago, if they need more uncounted votes, they just call Philadelphia. (laughs) You know, I was talking about uh, the Kennedys before. A lot of people believe that the role that the Dailies played in finding extra votes out of Chicago, uh, along with the help of the mob, might have been pivotal to Kennedy's election back in 1960. But uh, we'll put that aside for another day. I want to take advantage of your energy expertise, John. Um, you uh, know a lot about energy. You know about the oil business, the gas business, biofuels, everything. Um, we're seeing a lot of um, movement around the world towards nuclear energy. Japan, which had uh, the, the the nuclear disaster about 12 years ago, they're putting their nuclear reactors back online. There's calls for doing it in the United States. France has been a world leader in nuclear power. You say France? Well, that's how the French say it. That's how the French say it. But you're not French. Well, but I got to be respectful. That's their people. That's how they say it. There's things happening that I'm privy to. Very few people are privy to. And I can break it with you. Oh. There's a new, uh, the, the same systems that power, uh, nuclear submarines, the small nuclear reactors, Guess what? Uh, the state of Virginia, and I'm part of it. You're kidding? No. So you're getting into the nuclear energy yes. business now? You'll 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 back me up, John. I had no idea when I asked you no about idea. this. That's wild. Well, so that, that's that, interesting. That, I think the future is not is not uh, solar solar cells and wind. That's a lot of crap. I mean, somebody's selling. The American people, a bunch of crap. Well, I mean. And, and it's not going to be, you know, batteries. You know, batteries are okay. Electric cars are okay. Uh, but but uh, as long as it's voluntary and, uh, you know, you want to take it. Well, what was the old expression? You could drive it to church and back. <laughs> uh, you know? yeah, but electric but, cars. But nuclear, portable nuclear uh, reactors. Wow. So you could have a portable nuclear reactor. Uh, a, a type that was in in uh, a submarine uh, that could power a town of a half a million people. Wow. Um, that means what I would do is not have one, have two. Have one as a, a front line and then have a second one as a backup. Uh, so, John, uh, the thing that the big rub against nuclear power, and a lot of people like it because there's no greenhouse gas emissions. A lot of people like 100% it. Safe. Uh, well, that's what I was going to ask you. And it's so 100% we've safe. We've seen Chernobyl. We've seen Three Mile but Island with Fukushima. That's 40 years ago, 50 years ago but, technology. So can it be done safely to uh, well, avoid a major accident We haven't like lost that. a submarine in 40 years. <laughs> that's true. I can't argue with that. Yeah. Can't and it's tougher to, to lose a submarine when you're underwater and no place to go. <laughs> 800 I'm squeezing at least one quick call here, and then we're going to continue with John Katz and Matides. Alex is in Mount View. Hello, Alex. Hi, thanks for taking my call. 
If John, if uh, Robert uh, Kennedy Jr. wants to get the California electoral votes, he'll need to do two things. He needs to stay in the Democratic Party, and he needs to uh, support preferential treatment for Hispanics in immigration, education, and employment. In California, the Democratic Party has a supermajority in the legislature, and Hispanics at 40% of the population controls the Democratic Party. All right, Alex. Well, look, I, I think he's a long way from winning the nomination. I'm just curious how um, how he's going to do. If people respond to his ideas, if people take him seriously, how he does in terms of raising money, or if this is just, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say a vanity candidacy, but a vanity candidacy. So, uh, so far, the presidential track record of Kennedy's running has been mixed. Obviously, John F. Kennedy won in 1960. Ted Kennedy uh, did not do so well in 1976. Toyed with the idea of running in uh, 1980. Uh, no, excuse me, in 1980. Toyed with the idea of running in 84. Didn't end up uh, pulling the trigger. And then uh, there was talk of a lot of other Kennedys running. Uh, Patrick at one point. Uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. before he died. All right. Uh, we'll see if we can take more of your calls in a moment. Dominic Carter and John Katzmatidis waiting in the wings. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. I'm Frank Morano. Straight ahead. Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Seven o'clock. Uh, this is Sid and Friends in the morning. Uh, Frank Morano here. Forty-nine degrees. This is uh, this song was actually Bill Clinton's campaign theme song back uh, thirty-one years ago. Uh, I am joined in studio by the gentlemen that are going to uh, take you through the rest of the way until ten a.m. A close friend and confidant of Bill Clinton and Donald Trump, uh, John Katzenmatidis. And uh, New York's finest political journalist and a man who has uh, worn that label for the last uh, 25, 30 years, Dominic Carter. Dominic, uh, I was with you when uh, I started my day this morning, and yes. here I am with and, you again and, and, as and I'm ending. And you're still going, and it's a beautiful day. Good morning to you. Good morning to Mr. Katsimatidis. Guys, can you believe it's supposed to hit 76 degrees today? You're kidding. 76 wow. degrees. Well, that, it must that's be spring. Right? Well, it must be spring. I, I hope all the weather people on our station know that if it gets to 76 degrees, they have to claim it's 77 WABC degrees. There you go. Because they can't be saying 76. Just like that beautiful jacket you got that's on right. there. That's right. 77 WABC. That's right. People can get one. I got the wearing the denim jacket at the WABCRadioStore.com. If they do it, use the, um, use the discount code FRANK15. They could save 15%. All right. Uh, gentlemen, what do you guys? 
guys have in store for us today? What are you going to be tackling? Who are you going to be talking to? Well, well number one, uh, a number of issues going on. We're still going to talk about the uh, horrible Trump indictment, the horrible runoff election in Chicago, as Mr. Katz-Matiz did yesterday uh, in terms of the progressive candidate, candidate winning. We're going to talk about the new tentative contract. Frank, I know you pay attention oh, yeah. to all the details. These men and women of blue in New York City have not had a contract in seven years. And so now now they have one. But the bad news is that an officer was shot in the leg mm. in Queens, and, and the police are still searching at this hour for a suspect, yeah. a second suspect. Uh, what a uh, tragedy. All right. Uh, I am going to get going, and then uh, I am uh, heading to Pennsylvania to my aunt's house. Uh, we're going to celebrate a lot some of the Easter holidays. Uh, happy Easter to you, Dominic. Happy, uh, I think, family. Orthodox Palm Sunday to you, John. Uh, it's great to work with you both on a daily basis. I'll be listening for the next couple hours or as long as I can stay awake. Oh, Thank you, John. When, when do you Who's head driving? out? <laughs> <laughs> I hope your wife's driving. Uh, oh, that's for sure. Absolutely. Now that I can drink again, she'll be driving. <laughs> she'll be driving. Great. <laughs> and when, when are you heading out? Uh, this afternoon. Wow. This afternoon, so that'll be fun. Um, all right. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. Have a good show. Sid and friends in the morning. And stay tuned. Sid, there's rumors Sid is going to call in from uh, London to tell us how, how the heck London is. That's all coming up on Sid and friends in the morning here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And it's Captain Carter today. Captain Carter, John Katsimatidis, Dominic Carter. Good morning. We hope your day is off to a wonderful start. Sit in friends in the morning. Friends, well, it's Thursday morning. It's almost Friday. And Fridays, you know what we say Friday, Dominic? Thank God it's Friday. Yes, and we'll T-G-I-F. take it. We'll you gotta take be old it. enough to remember that. This is true. Good morning to you, Mr. Katsimatidis. Well, and uh, we're here in the studio, bright and early. And even our president, Chad Lopez, is here. Good morning, Chad. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. And, uh, Dominic, you worked at midnight last night, and uh, you didn't get much sleep. Well, it, it's okay because the bottom line is nobody puts in more hours than you do. <laughs> Uh, doing the five o'clock show, uh, plus you have, uh, the show well, Kurt, in the Curtis, morning. Curtis is going for the record. Oh, Kurt, Curtis is the one going for the record? For the record. Okay. Well, well, when, when the big, when the bosses, the both of you, when you guys put in the hours that you do, I but it's, a, it's a little unfair advantage for Curtis because he kind of lives here, too. <laughs> <laughs> Curtis is going to be on this weekend, uh, uh, tomorrow night, all day, uh, Friday, Friday night, how do you feel? Well, Thursday night, Friday morning, yep. Saturday night, Sunday night, Sunday day. That's right. Monday. I mean, I think I lose track. And why is that? I mean, you can't dial WABC on the weekend without hearing Curtis. That's right, because we keep it live, right? Live John? and local. Always live. And live and you know local. the one thing Curtis does? 
I'm listening to him at 3 o'clock in the morning. I hear him yelling, don't you dare fall asleep. <laughs> don't you dare fall asleep. He won't let you fall asleep. It's great. We've actually had the listeners write in and say, tell him to stop because i got to sleep. <laughs> right, right, literally. Look, and, lo- looks and, like you got a haircut, Mr. Katsimatidis. No, my wife, Margo, combed my hair this morning. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. And uh, she combed my hair, and I, I hate, I yell and scream. And she says, you got a little curly here. I'm going to cut it off. I said, don't cut my hair. I don't have that much left. I know what, the what, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Yeah, uh, well, I'm going to be on Fox Business uh, later on, uh, giving them the state of uh, of the oil market and, and what's going to happen. And she says, well, you got to look good. i got to cut your hair. I said, don't cut my hair. Okay, so, so that's our big argument. Well, you look great. You got a nice tie on today. You're yes, ready. You're yes, ready for yeah. TV. Yes. Yeah. So Mrs. Katz combed it this morning. Yes, yes, she did a great job. Okay, she did, she did a wonderful job. A wonderful job. So coming up, gentlemen, in just a couple of minutes, I understand we're going to have a surprise guest from London. Well, I I hear rumors that Sydney is going to call. Sid is going to call back from. Does he call Sydney? <laughs> Everybody uh, Sydney. says Sid. Sid, Sydney. Sid is call, calling in from London. We're going to get the state of what's going on in London. I texted Paul Vallis in uh, Chicago to find out if uh, uh, there's 100,000 uncounted uh, ballots there. Yeah. But, you know, if the, if the, the guy in charge uh, is short votes, they call Philadelphia <laughs> for more uh, votes. <laughs> Please don't get me started on Chicago this morning. <laughs> we we are off to a wonderful day. Everybody's smiling. Yeah. For the life of me, I cannot understand. Where's our new theme song for Chicago? You have yeah, it? You got to hear it. Hear it. Say tap. Yes. Yes. And, 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 and that's accurate for Chicago. We're going, listen, we're going to have, instead of Inauguration Day, we're going to have Funeral Day. <laughs> why Why would you not support the law and order candidate and go with another progressive? That's the code word for bad. Why, the word, why would the you word do is that? worse than that. It's the person that was advertising at one time uh, that he wants to defund the police. Right. I mean, even, uh, you know who we had last on on, uh, on Katz and Cosby last night? Uh, we had the former... Uh, uh, superintendent of police in Chicago on, uh, Mr., uh, what was his name, Jerry McCarthy? Yeah, Jerry McCarthy. Yeah, and he used to be deputy commissioner at NYPD. Uh, good guy, smart guy, mm-hmm. and he says a lot of the uh, police officers are not going to work. Can you, new mayor. Can, can you blame them? No. Can, can, can you blame them? You, you, want, you want social workers to handle uh, uh, some serious calls, but I understand we have that surprise guest on the line, gentlemen. Oh my God! And the, the the host of the morning show here on WABC, our friend Sid Rosenberg. Good morning to you, Sid. Uh, good morning, guys. I hope I'm coming in clear. I'm calling you from beautiful Wales, just about two hours outside of London in uh, in the UK and Europe. You sound great. Beautiful Thursday morning. Okay, you, good. You well, sound good great. With you guys. So give us the status. Well, thank you. We just buried Chicago. How is London doing? Well, John, London is uh, is doing pretty good. Now, don't forget, I only spent a couple of hours in London when I got here. Then we hopped on a train, an express train, for two hours to Wales. We're going back to London 
to celebrate my daughter Ava's 19th birthday tomorrow night. But it's interesting, you know, guys, I know that uh, Chad's in there too, Jad, Dominic, and uh, John. I love you all. Good morning. Morning. I am such the ugly. I am such the ugly American. I remember years ago I was listening to Howard Stern, and he was saying, "Oh, he's the ugly American. He can go anywhere in the world he wants, but wherever he goes, he's never really comfortable." And that's me. My daughter lives in Europe. My wife loves it. For example, guys, uh, the currency here is in pounds. I have no idea what that means. I know I weigh 193 pounds, but I can't figure out what dollars mean to pounds. When I went to the gym this morning. Okay, you went to the gym. I went to the gym, and, and I put the, uh, the weights on the bench, and I put a 45-weight pound on the bench, but that's in kilograms, <laughs> so it weighs about 100 pounds. <laughs> hey, Sid, so, the, the, the last time I was in London, basically, uh, whatever the American money you had uh, in pounds, it was worth double in pounds. Is that what your wife is telling you, or, or that's off? No, that's about right, actually, Dominic. It's worth about double in pounds, and the kilograms – is also double. So when I put 45 kilograms on the weight bench, that's like 90 pounds in America, John, Chad, and Dominic. So I got to get used to all this stuff, but I got to tell you, it's, um, it's the same thing. Guys, I went down for breakfast this morning, and they had the local television show on, like their version of Good Morning America, the Today Show, you know, and there's, there's one guy and two females sitting there, and they're talking about the issue on the police force here in Wales where the female police officers feel like they are being mistreated by the men and they're claiming misogyny and sexism on the police force. So it's not NBC in America, right, guys? It's not Savannah Guthrie, and it's not uh, CODA, but it's the same exact stories they're discussing in Europe. And by the way, when I landed, everybody, everybody in London was talking about Donald Trump because that was the day that he got indicted. So I may be 4,000 miles away, closer to Dublin than I am New York City, but the, the topics and the conversations, gentlemen, are exactly the same. How do, they, how do the British feel about Donald Trump? Well, it's very anecdotal, John, because I've spoken to a lot of people. But the few people that I have, including in my hotel in London and Wales, they sympathize with Donald Trump, believe it or not. He's not a hugely popular figure here. Uh, don't forget, Boris Johnson was in charge, and he was very similar to Donald Trump until he wasn't, you know. Uh, but the, the few people I spoke to do sympathize. They did agree it was an ugly day for America. And then, of course, gentlemen, look, I spoke to Joe Tacopino when I got here, and it was right after they read the, you know, the indictment. And those 34 charges were absolutely ridiculous. You know, we were expecting some major surprise on Thursday morning that maybe, maybe brought some credibility to this thing, and we got none of it. In fact, if anything, the language inside the indictment was really confusing, and I'm sure Alvin Bragg was more confused than the three of us. So the feeling I get, John, Chad, and Dominic, is people here in Europe sympathize with Donald Trump and think it's embarrassing what's going on inside our country in the United States. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Folks, we are, we are chatting with the host of this show who is in uh, Europe uh, this morning, Sid Rosenberg, and it, it's, it's, it's great to do so. And, man, it's fantastic to hear your voice. Are, are you ha- I know you're there to visit your daughter for her birthday tomorrow. Are you having a good time? I am, Dominic. Thank you for asking. Look, it's a, it's a special time. You know, last night, uh, the Jewish people, of course, we started celebrating Passover. I know today, of course, is Holy Thursday, tomorrow, Good Friday, Easter Sunday coming up on Sunday, gentlemen. And coupling all that with my daughter's 19th birthday tomorrow, that's a big deal. You know, Chad, you know, this. Uh, no more teens. You know this too, right. John, with AJ. No more teens. You know, next year she's going to be 20 years old. So 
So you combine those three things, the Jewish holidays, the, the Christian holidays, and my daughter's birthday. It's a very, very special time. And I must say that since I left, the listeners of Sid and Friends in the Morning, I mean in droves on my Instagram account, at Rosenberg.Sydney, uh, on my Facebook page, Sid Rosenberg. They have contacted me, wishing Ava a happy birthday, me a happy Passover. Of course, I want to wish them a happy Easter as well. And they've been really nice. We went to a really nice restaurant last night in Wales, and uh, it's in the United States, too. It's in Beverly Hills. It's called the Ivy, and it's a gorgeous, gorgeous place. And, again, I put up one picture, one picture, gentlemen, last night with my family, and the response has been amazing. So I really want to wish everybody back home the happiest of holidays. And Did you have so a Passover dinner? Did you have a Passover dinner last night? We did. You know, we went to a place that is not exactly a religious Jewish place, John, but uh, they went out of their way to make sure we had a couple of traditional Jewish things to get out of Seder. So, believe it or not, in an Asian restaurant in <laughs> Wales, in Europe, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you're a real Jew. You had Chinese food. Uh, yeah, you just didn't have it on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, you're a real Jew. You had Chinese food, Sid. <laughs> you're right. That's exactly right. Like that, Jews do every Christmas. John, I found a way on Passover to get a Chinese restaurant in Wales to get me a shank phone for the first night of, a, of the state of a Passover. It was great. That's great. Well, that sounds great. Well, enjoy it. Have a great birthday party. And I'll be listening to you 6 o'clock Monday morning because I'm going to be sleeping now. Yep. <laughs> great to hear your voice, Sid. <laughs> yeah, hey, you Sid. guys, too. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for putting it. Yes, Tom. Hey, Sid, before you go, and we're chatting with Sid Rosenberg, are you on your regular cell phone uh, uh, broadcasting with us right now? I am. I'm a regular cell phone. Wow. Uh, T-Mobile got a pretty good deal. Now they're charging me 25 cents a minute. So I have to expense this, Jay. Oh, yeah, you got to hang up. Then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why are we talking to you? <laughs> but I got to tell you, the testing is free and the deal is good. And you guys sound crystal clear. I'm not sure how I sound, but you have to understand, I'm out by the water. I'm nearly 4,000 miles away, and you guys are like across the street. But again, but Sid, John, Sid, can I ask you real quick? Can I ask you real quick? What What is the environment over there? What, what do they feel about everything with the election? What's the, the atmosphere like? What's in their thoughts? Well, again, you know, I, I think they, I think they feel badly right. for uh, for Donald Trump. I, I think, I think they, I, it's kind of like if I had, I would say like this, Chad. It's kind of like we're glad it's you uh-huh. and not us. And look, and they have all kinds. They've had all kinds of issues here, guys. Don't forget. And I know John, Chad, and Dominic, you know this. You know, when Boris Johnson left, and John, you know this very, very well. Liz Truss took power. She was in power for about as long as Anthony Scaramucci was Donald Trump's White House secretary. It lasted about two weeks, and she was gone. So they're on their third different prime minister in England in the last uh, in the last like uh, you know couple of months. But you know this is this is part of the United Kingdom, guys. You still have Northern Ireland. You've got England. You've got Wales. There's five different countries really that make up this area of Europe. So I'm not really concentrated in London where Parliament is. I'll be there tomorrow, guys. Here in Wales, we're about two hours away. It's completely different. But, again, the few folks that I spoke to absolutely sympathize with Donald Trump, and they feel like what America is doing to him is 1,000% wrong. And, obviously, I well, feel the they same did worse to their prime minister. What's his name? <laughs> Ross Johnson. He had, one indis- he had one indiscretion, one or two indiscretions, <laughs> and they fired him. He couldn't be prime minister anymore. If they did that to Washington, the whole Congress would be gone. Well, you know this, John, that one of the things about Boris Johnson that people in England liked was the Trump people, for example, 
They liked it because Boris Johnson was very, very similar to Donald Trump. But the folks that hated Donald Trump here in Europe, and there are many, they hated Boris Johnson for that. The first, when Boris Johnson took power, for example, me and my late partner, Bernie, we loved him because he really was very similar to Donald Trump. But don't forget, as time moved along and Trump left and Biden took over, all of a sudden, Boris Johnson became a friend of Joe Biden. We started to see that he wasn't exactly that Donald Trump conservative guy in Europe we thought he was. So he lost some popularity among the true supporters like me and others. But in the end, you're right, John, they hated him early on because he was a little bit too much like Donald Trump. Hey, Sid, before you go, have you been on the subway uh, in, in, in England? Uh, and, and, and is their system safer than ours? It has to be. <laughs> you, can't even, you can't even compare it. That's a great question, Dominic. That is a great question. You can't even compare. Forget about safer. You can eat off the floors. We took a, uh, uh, we put on three different trains, including a two-hour train ride from London to Wales. You can eat off the floors, guys. It is spotless. I mean, clean. The bathrooms are clean. There are people eating on there. And when somebody drops something, they pick it up right away. I've seen one homeless person, one homeless person in three days. That's it. In, uh, in Wales. But that is a great question, Dominic. The subways, they call them the underground here. It's called the underground. The underground here, gorgeous, clean, and, uh, and, no, and you're not nervous. How you're much, how much does it take, take the subway, the underground in, uh, in London? That's a very good question. And if I can figure out the pounds of the dollars, I'll be able to tell you. <laughs> all right. By Monday, you got to tell us on Monday. I will tell you all on Monday. Hey, John, thank you so much for filling in these three days and allowing me to spend time with my daughter. I really appreciate it. I love all three of you guys, John, Dominic, and Chad. And of course, I love my listening audience back home. So happy Passover. Happy Easter. And I'll talk to you guys on Monday morning. I God love bless. You. Thank you very, very, very much. Happy birthday right, to your daughter. You. Take care. Have, have a good thank time. You. Thank you, John. And thank that was Sid Rosenberg. And he's having a great time in London. We're here working. It's okay. And uh, the control room, what, what do we do next? You don't keep us informed. Well, we're we going have to a take break? a break. Something we're going to take or... a break in about 30 seconds. Okay. But something that, that Sid, you, Chad, and myself share in common, all of us have adult age daughters. That's right. All of us. All four of us. That's right. So, don't remind yeah. me. Yeah. John, you know what's interesting, too, is he sounds really good on T-Mobile. We should probably consider using T-Mobile for our studio. T-Mobile is originally the, a German carrier. Uh, the, you know, the, the people, the makers of Mercedes, right. the makers of T-Mobile. Yeah. That's well, gentlemen, we are going to take a break. You are listening to the Sid and Friends in the Morning program. John Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, and myself, Dominic Carter. Good morning, 722 a.m. We hope your day is off to a wonderful start. We will be right back. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. You're my best friend. 77 WABC.
And good morning. We are back. Sid and friends in the morning. John Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, and myself, Dominic Carter. Good morning at 7.30 a.m. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll be joined by Judge Andrew Napolitano. Either that or we might have a, a, a guest, a special guest, that wants to tell us about the safety of Chicago. We, what what is there to discuss with Chicago? The, the city is in we deep buried, trouble. I mean, we're, we're we're having a funeral ceremony. We went from bad to worse, it, and uh, so somebody says we're overdoing it. Well, I I don't think we're overdoing it. I think that the city from Lori Lightfoot, it, it, you can't imagine a scenario where it would get worse, and that is exactly what has happened. I I, I agree with you one hundred and ten percent. Look, I mean. Uh, a, 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 the guy that's going to be calling in is a white Jewish guy in New York from New York, mm. a former congressman. Interesting. Mm. And Interesting. Uh, he thinks that uh, that uh, Chicago is safer than we're saying. Really? Interesting. You, you know what's interesting, Chad? Uh, the PBA and, and uh, John Katsimatidis, uh, the, the fine men and women of blue in New York City have a tentative contract. I didn't know, guys, that they haven't had a contract for seven years. Wow. And so Mayor Adams announced it uh, yesterday, but it's somewhat bittersweet. An officer recovering from being shot in the leg. There's a manhunt as we speak for the second suspect from this Queens incident. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm glad it's over with. I wonder if there's any other uh, uh, groups that uh, don't have a contract. Well, the. It, the again, firemen were open, too. Did the firemen settle? I, I'm not exactly sure, but I know that the police, uh, it, it's very interesting, the NYPD. One, it's tentative. The membership, ha- they have to ratify the contract. But it calls for 28%, a 28% increase, right, mm-hmm. from the last contract. Plus, it increases. We all know that, that NYPD officers are leaving and they're yeah. flocking away in record numbers because of the low pay. And just outside the city of New York, it's better pay just about everywhere. So now it's going to bump up the starting salary to about 55000 for rookie officers. But also, guys, they're moving ahead with a productivity agreement where in other cities, police officers can work. They can do 10-hour days or a 12-hour day, which shortens the work week. Oh, wow. Shortens the work yeah. week. And so... That's so they can spend more time with their family members. Right, and it's yeah. very important. And it, it's a great idea. And, and I say bravo uh, to the Adams administration on this one, on yeah. this one, guys, for delivering this contract for the I, NYPD. It must be tough right now to make a decision to become a cop in New York City oh. right now. Oh. Right? So I, I would imagine that they, they would have had to do something with a, a, a more attractive contract to bring them in and, and want them to be a cop in New York. Absolutely. It, to, to be a police officer in New York City right now is, is Chad, to your point, it, 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 it's tough. You, 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 the, the criminals have been emboldened. Uh, the, the police are under attack by almost every venue, every avenue that you can think of, and we've got to find a way to flip this script. Yeah. And then you see yesterday we were covering, John, right, about what's going on with New York City and how the cops are, the, the, the resources with everything with the Trump and what Bragg is doing, bringing, you know, taking those, well, what it's causing right now, right, is taking the resources off the street with everything going on. Cop getting shot, running and, around. And, 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 and it, it is tough because when the former president is in town, I mean, 
Please don't get me started, guys, about the uh, the the criminal charges against the former president because it it is such a waste of resources. There is no there there. This case is not going to go to trial. It is probably going to be dismissed by a judge. And to your point, Chad, the city of New York is forced to spend millions of dollars for police overtime and on and on and on. And 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 even Trump's lawyers said in court uh, for the December hearing coming up, uh, is it is it absolutely mandatory that that Mr. Trump be here? Because every time he comes, it's an, a tremendous expense to the city of New York. And the judge said, yes, it is absolutely necessary that he makes every court appearance. Now, how are you supposed to do that when you're the leading candidate running for president? Right, right. And, John, you were saying yesterday that uh, they're saying it's estimated $200 million by the time this is done, right? Well, it, it was reconfirmed. Yeah, yeah, it was reconfirmed. Estimate, but it's it'll, it'll cost it'll taxpayers' money. The world that we live in. Traffic is coming up and next. And meanwhile, the poor in New York are not <laughs> getting any, a, a, any of that $200 million. <laughs> we, we rather chase Donald Trump for $130,000 about a prostitute yeah. than give the poor the $200 million. Yeah. I mean, where is the common sense? And when you think about it, none of it, none of it makes sense. Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Well, we're back. And falling in is that white uh, Jewish guy from New York that thinks me and Dominic are too tough on Chicago. And he happens to be a former congressman. He happens to be our friend. He happens to be a WABC host. And Anthony Weiner, happy Passover. Thank you very much, John. Hey, Dominic, how you guys doing? Good morning. We hope that you're doing well. Happy Passover. Thank you. Now, why are me and Dominic being too hard in Chicago? I mean, it, it's you no know, Dominic is black. You're white. But, you know, the black and, and brown kids in Chicago are suffering. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, but, and maybe the, John, the, the white Jews in New York don't realize it. John, here's the thing. What's the expression? All politics is local. Vallis was a lousy candidate. It was an African-American against a white guy in a Democratic primary in a majority-minority city. And, Crime and, was and one don't issue, forget, but- when Vallis was on our show, on a 5 o'clock show, and on the same show was the head of uh, the teachers' union, uh, what was her name? Randy Weingarten. Randy, Randy Weingarten. Weingarten. When she heard me interview Vallis, the next morning she gave uh, uh, Dan Johnson a million dollars. Yeah, you see, you're probably the reason that Vallis lost. I, I, I take the, I take the responsibility. <laughs> I take the responsibility. But, but, but Anthony, I, I, it, I, I, I didn't match. Us, I didn't match the million dollars. Go, go ahead, Listen, Mr. Weiner. If the three of us, if the three of us were voting in Chicago, we probably would have voted for Vallis. But you got to remember something, and Dominic knows this from his years covering politics. All politics is local. This was the Democratic primary. You know, Vallis had said in the past he's closer to being a Republican than a Democrat. Imagine saying something like that in a primary. It, you know, he just wasn't a great candidate. You can read a lot. Crime was an important issue, no doubt about it. Vallis was coming out as the tougher on crime candidate, no doubt about it. But you guys are so mystified that a black guy won in a majority-minority city 
That's politics, baby. No, but but you you know what, Anthony Weiner? Uh, how I strongly feel about this is that, uh, and I I know you're going to tear me apart for this, but but I strongly feel that pro- progressive candidates are running a con on communities of color. They're running a wink-wink, nod-nod game. We're with you, brother. We stand with the community, brother. But who who are the people whose, whose babies are dying, Mr. Weiner? I, I'm telling you, as a black man, I would have preferred the law and order candidate as opposed to Mr. Progressive that won whether this you're, you Whether you're Hispanic, whether you're black, whether you're brown, whether you're Asian, we we want law and order in our country. Absolutely. Yeah, I you know I agree, but I, you know one thing I'm always skeptical of, Dominic, is when people say, "Oh, the voters are so stupid; they got duped by somebody." No, sometimes candidates just do a better job of getting their message across. They say, you know, "This was a guy who had an education background and whatnot." Vallis was not a great candidate. I'm just I agree with you on that. I agree with you. I think that candidates, candidates, and elections turn on many different things. Dominic, you've seen a hundred cases where sometimes a gaffe, sometimes you, a mistake you make in a yes. debate, yes. sometimes a coalition that you form doesn't work out the way you think. You know who, you know who, 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 who probably tipped this race was the Hispanic vote, and they're very conservative. So I, I, I don't buy the idea. Oh, the voters are too dumb to know what's right. This is Chicago. We're not right there. I oh. think, you know, kind of, I mean, I probably would have voted for Vallis in, in, in that thing. I think the three of us would. But automatically assuming that the voters of a city don't know what's in their best interest, I don't buy it. Okay, next subject. You're a New Yorker. Uh, Robert Kennedy uh, Jr., we're both friends with him. I just texted him, asked him to come on. What can you say about him? Look, I think that the guy used to have an, a reputation as an environmentalist and as a member of the Kennedy family. Now he's considered someone basically on the loony fringe. I mean, he's got to figure out a way. I mean, what is he best known for now? He's best known for being blocked on Facebook and Twitter for saying the craziest things about the COVID vaccine. I I think that I I don't understand his rationale. And I'll be honest with you, you know, the three of us have fond memories of the Kennedys. I'm not sure what being a Kennedy, I I heard Frank talk about this this morning. I'm not sure being a Kennedy right now is an argument enough. You better have something to say. I, I believe that you, me, and Dominic probably, that's about as many votes as Kennedy's going to get in the primaries. Well, I agree with you. And uh, uh, and uh, I was uh, uh, with his sisters um, on many, many trips. Uh, I'll tell you those stories someday. Dominic, I'll we, tell we, you. We, we, look, we look forward to it. Mr. Weiner, we thank you thank for joining you. us. We have to agree to disagree on, on Chicago because I think that the citizens there Chicago, have made a terrible Chicago. mistake. Chicago, there we go. One and, hell and, of a town. And they're going to pay dearly for the mistake that they have made. Well, I'm gonna, Where's folks, the burial folks music? Tune in, uh, folks can tune in 2 o'clock on Saturday on the middle. I'm going to talk about Chicago, but also about Wisconsin. Are you coming to the funeral with, with the us? Democrats won in Wisconsin. <laughs> Are you coming to the All funeral? Right, take care, man. <laughs> take care. So, so there's a report that says 94,000 people moved out of Cook uh, County, home of Chicago, last year. 94,000. And wait till you see the numbers for next year. Gentlemen, we are going to take a break. The morning show here on WABC. Sid and friends in the morning. I'm Dominic Carter with John Casamitidis and Chad Lopez. When we come back, we will talk live as we always do to Judge Andrew Napolitano. Good morning, 746 a.m.
in the morning. 77 WABC. Chicago, Chicago, that toddling town. Chicago, well, I hope Chicago, we don't have to bury Chicago. Uh, with us today is Judge Andrew Napolitano. There's so many things going on in our country. Judge Napolitano, where do you want to start? Oh, wherever you want to start. Uh, good morning, my dear friends. I'm so happy to be with you. Uh, so, so let's start. Let's start with uh, with Chicago. Well, I, I can't put my finger on, on Chicago. You know, I, I went to law school in the Midwest at, uh, in Notre Dame, which is the South Bend, Indiana. Spent a lot of time in Chicago. Um, it's a beautiful uh, city with a great tradition uh, and culture, but I can't agree with uh, Anthony Weiner. Um, I, I like Anthony, but I can't agree with him on this. That Chicago has just been overtaken uh, by the progressives. It is, has the worst crime in the country. And the reason it has the worst crime in the country is because its present leaders and now apparently its future leaders are not serious about keeping uh, the public safe. They're just not serious about it. They're more interested and, in the wokeism, which is what brought us where we are today. And, Judge, what I, I said to Anthony is a lot of the black and brown kids in Chicago are going to suffer. They're never going to grow up because they're going to get killed. They're never going to grow up. And and, and, and in addition to that, they're not going to get educated. You know why? Uh, uh, This guy uh, represented the teachers' union. The teachers' union got him elected. So guess what? They're going to give double coupons to everybody in the teachers' union. The kids are going to suffer. Now, right now, I think our country, the United States of America, the greatest country in history of the world, is number 56 in education in the world. I am not a fan of government schools, John. I think the government does a terrible job of educating. It has guaranteed income, the taxpayers, guaranteed clients, the students, next to no competition, and unions that tell management how to work. That is a, that is a recipe for failure. I'll, more- I'll give you two interesting numbers, uh, Judge. The Catholic schools in New York are spending an average of $8,500 a student, and almost 100% of those students go go on to college, 100%, almost. And, and, and the charter schools, too. And the public schools spend twenty five to 30000 per student. Where right. is the money? Where is right. the waste? And, right. and, and the kids I, are not I, getting I a good education. I fully agree with you. And if a hardworking blue-collar family is scrimping and saving to send their kids to a Catholic school, they're still paying the tax bill for the public schools that they don't use. That is profoundly wrong. It's wrong economically because it's putting money in the public schools for a, a service they're not delivering. It's wrong morally because it's taking money away from these hardworking people whose kids are going to a, a, another school system. They're getting a better education, and we still allow it to happen. We need a total revamping 
of the government school system. It should be an option and not mandatory. It's our kids. It's our kids, Dominic, that are suffering. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, Judge, you know, you just made, we we are chatting with uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano. You just made the great point that, that I think many of us forget about. These parents that are paying to send their kids to, to Catholic school, to private school, they are also hit with the tax bill for the public school system. And it, it is it is horrible what is going on in Chicago. It, it's, it's it, as I just said with uh, Congressman Weiner, and you said you disagree with him, so do I. I have a lot of respect for him. But uh, it, the, 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 the kids of color in Chicago, they are the ones that are going to suffer. You you have a, a mayor that came in telling you what you want to hear, and we have got Lori Lightfoot uh, number two. It, it's it's despicable. I was I was stunned at the outcome. Now, I don't follow the polls or or the campaigning uh, the way Anthony does. He was not surprised at the outcome. I was surprised and dismayed because I thought everybody was shocked. Chicago, everybody. I thought the people of Chicago have had enough of this nonsense, enough of a mayor that doesn't want the police to keep people safe, enough of the worst crime uh, in a major city in the country. But now they want more of it. You know, the public, the, the voters get what they deserve. But unfortunately, as John just pointed out, the people who will truly suffer here are the children, the black and brown children uh, will suffer because their lives will be cut short or they'll be raised thinking that the violence around them is somehow normal and that they should participate in it. And that will destroy their futures. And it points to dysfunction, Judge, as you just indicated. These kids that look like me are going to grow up and they're going to believe that the violence is normal. And that is despicable. We we only have a, a few minutes left with you, Judge. I want to talk about the uh, Trump indictment. I don't see this going to court. I, I see it as a waste of uh, taxpayer dollars. Uh, you, please give me, you're an expert on this. I If I'm the district attorney, I would never bring a case like this. But I'm not the district attorney. I'm not Alvin Bragg. What is he thinking? I think he's thinking that Donald Trump and Alan Weisselberg, his former CFO, and Michael Cohen, his former lawyer slash fixer. I like the way that word fixer is now a common word, meaning a guy that fixes your problems using dirty tricks. And it crafted such a sophisticated and deceptive means to pay this money, even to the point where they were using assumed names in the documents that they signed, that this was not a one-off. So if a, if a, if a businessman uses corporate funds to pay a personal debt here and there once in a while. The government's not going to do it. It happens two or three times. Ah, maybe they'll say, we're going to increase your tax bill. But you do it 34 times in order to make a a corporate, uh, in order to make a a personal debt or a campaign debt appear to be a corporate debt, the government's going to come after you. That is Alvin Bragg's argument. Unfortunately for Donald Trump, I agree with Professor Uh, my friend, uh, Professor Dershowitz, I think he'll be convicted in New York. 
I think the the prevailing view in New York is that he probably did something wrong, and it's about time the law caught up with him. I think is 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 that the Democratic strategy for 2024 to make a difference in the 2024 election? I think the Democrats. John, here's where I disagree with you. I think the Democrats want Trump to be the nominee. No, I agree with you. They feel they can beat him. Because they feel that the independents, the Republicans will vote for him, but they feel the independents, which is a large number, will not. Correct. Joe Biden's presidency is indefensible. He can't defend it. Kamala Harris can't defend it. The Democrats can't defend it. The Democrats know that. The only way Biden gets reelected is if the issue in 2024 is not Biden's presidency, but Trump's character, personality, and criminality. The Democrats would love that under those circumstances. And in my view, Dominic, under those circumstances alone, Biden gets reelected. Interesting, Judge Andrew Napolitano, but I, I, I don't see it. We've got to wrap this up because I see at a minimum, if it goes to trial, I don't see it going to trial, but if it goes to trial, all Trump needs is one juror, as you know, Judge, and it's a hung right. jury. I don't see a conviction on this. I, I don't see it going to court. You think it goes to court? Quickly, please. I think it, go, I think it goes to court. Trump gets uh, convicted, and that might be disturbed by an appellate court. Okay, well, interesting, Judge Andrew Napolitano. And if he is convicted, if he is convicted, it's only going to catapult him right back into the White House. Judge, we thank you for joining us. The morning show here on WABC, Sid and Friends. We spoke to Sid, who's in uh, London. John Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, Dominic Carter. We have a lot coming up next hour, including the Lou Dobbs financial report. I say good morning to you, Mr. Katsimatidis. Good morning to you, Chad Lopez. Well, we're going to have a great show at, uh, at the uh, 8 o'clock hour. We've got... Uh, Bill Parker uh, from Navy, a former Navy man, and Bob Unanaway uh, from Goya Foods. And they're two interesting guys. All coming up right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Well, we're back, and uh, we have a dynamite show for you today. Sid, Sid um, m- might be out, and he's traveling to a beautiful uh, the UK and taking care of Passover and taking care of his daughter, his daughter's birthday tomorrow. But me and Dominic and Chad, we're holding our own. Our <laughs> ratings are higher than ever. That's right. That's right. Live and local. Chad, how are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. I'm. I, you know, when I got up this morning, and you know, you know, I don't really like John knows this to come on, right? But uh, yesterday, with everything, the news cycles and how news cycles go, and just what's going on, it's 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 great to be part of WABC. It's alive and well, and and the, the interaction. The strongest, yes, one of the strongest channels on the East Coast of uh, America. We at the right times we go from Davy Jones's locker in uh-huh. the Bahamas, like Curtis That's says, right. all the way up to Canada, all the way up to Northern Europe. I bet you if, if Sid had an AM radio and turned it on right now, he'll, he'll hear us. <laughs> We're making a difference too, right, John? Well, well, guys, we we that's, that's that's the reason I'm here. 
I'm not here about uh, the money. You don't pay me. Uh, You know, I get my own coffee. I don't get paid (laughs) coffee either. And you know what it's all about, uh, Chad? It's all about making a difference and telling the truth. And you know who one of my heroes was? Uh, Walter Cronkite. If I could come anywhere near a Walter Cronkite, Mm -hmm. I'd feel like I'm a success. Right. And that's what I'm aiming for. Now we have with us uh, uh, Bill Parker, uh, a Navy man. You were were a Navy Navy, man. That's right. A Navy man. He was a Navy man himself. Uh, And for many, many years, he was uh, chief of staff to my good friend, Admiral Caliris. And uh, he uh, was president of the East-West Institute. And he's doing so many other things to help our country. And um, we're going to talk to him about what the heck is going on in Ukraine. Uh, Mr. Parker, how are you today? Uh, John, good morning. And uh, I'm I'm absolutely thrilled to see how much uh, coverage you're getting all over the globe right now. There are the friends of mine that are that are reaching out from all over the planet talking about uh, your show. So it's very exciting. Well, the, the joke I tell is our 5 o'clock show, even the KGB is listening to us to find out what's going on. <laughs> That's right. It's true. <laughs> so w- w- what is going on? There's so much confusion uh, of what's, what is going on in the Ukraine, Russia. It seems like the people are suffering. The Russian people oh. are suffering and dying. The Ukrainian people are suffering and dying. Uh, and, um, and I think the American people just want the truth. Uh, one of my most respected presidents we ever had was Eisenhower. Do you remember what Eisenhower said? Beware, beware ahead, of please. a military-industrial uh, complex that they only want to sell missiles they only want to sell bullets. They only want to sell. They, they, they don't care how many people dying, as long as they're making a profit, selling missiles and and bullets. And you were president of the East West Institute that tried to create peace in the world. Well, that's right. Uh, and and I'll, I'll tell you, you know, the, the United States alone has said it's committed more than uh, thirty billion dollars in military aid alone now, and another ten point five billion in humanitarian aid. So that just gives you an idea of of some of the numbers. But but there are other numbers that that you had mentioned. You know, fifty eight weeks into this thing, and and last week, uh, Russian troops uh, four thousand lost. Uh, just to give you an idea, they are pulling people out of prisons right now for the the Wagner group, which has become very famous, this militaristic uh, group uh, fighting for the Russians. And they have about a 50 percent mortality rate. Uh, So they're just throwing ways of human beings at the Ukrainians who are just uh, decimating them right and left. And and the the numbers are just terrific uh, for both sides. You're, You're looking at about 20 million people that have now uh, fled from Ukraine. It just, just absolutely horrible numbers. Uh, and, and this, this just continues. Uh, meanwhile, you have all kind of military craft as you bring up the military industrial complex. There are, are numerous tanks and, and fighter jets, et cetera, that are flowing into Ukraine on a daily basis now. Well, I actually felt sorry that they're giving the Polish uh, are giving four uh, airplanes to the Ukrainians that uh, are no match 
with a Russian airplanes, and you're just going to those those pilots that are going to go into those four airplanes are just going to commit suicide. Well, that 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 is a problem, and uh, similar with some of the tanks that are rolling into uh, into Ukraine now. Uh, but I will say the Ukrainians have uh, have certainly surprised the Russians on their capability and on their on their military planning, uh, both strategically and tactically. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. Putin thought he was going to roll in there and it was going to be like Crimea. It was going to be a week or two and this is over. And that certainly hasn't been the case. Well, it's uh, but, but I mean, I don't think there's any peace in the near future. Where? What, 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 what do you think is happening? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, I mean, uh, it looks like we have the new evil alliance, uh, just like in the James Bond movies, uh, Spectra. Uh, China has signed up uh, Russia. China has signed up Pakistan, India, uh, now the Saudi Arabians, and, and had arranged for the Saudi Arabians to sign on with, with Iran and signed up with Brazil, signed up with with uh, Venezuela, Cuba, I mean, they're signing up like no tomorrow. Well, I mean, you, you have the world perspective, so give us your world perspective. Well, that, that is a, a very good uh, idea of what's going on in the world right now. And when you look at the fact that North Korea is saying that they are on the brink of a nuclear war and they're certainly very capable now, uh, they tested more missiles last year than any time in their history. Uh, they're probably on the brink of another uh, nuclear test itself. Um, they are looking at the, the Nimitz strike group uh, as a potential threat, and so they're doing their own offensive uh, drills now. Uh, they, so the United States has now put uh, B-52s and B-1s uh, into onto the peninsula. And so this is, this is expanding. But you're right on these alliances, uh, North Korea, China, Russia, Venezuela, Israel, I'm sorry, uh, Iran, uh, Saudi Arabia, they're, they're building this, this alliance. And if China gets control of the oil flow, uh, we have a problem, especially since we have reduced our, uh, our drilling in the United States. Uh, so we need to look at this. Uh, John, you and I talked many years ago, uh, and it was in, in one of my earlier books, we talked about the fact that if we didn't back in 2014 and 2015 start building ships and aircraft, et cetera, at that point, I know military industrial complex, but that we would be overtaken by the Chinese in the size and capability of our military. And now they have a more modern Navy than we do. They have a larger Navy than we do, and they are expanding. They say they want to triple the size of their nuclear weapons arsenal. Um, in the next 10 years, and, and they are moving in that direction rapidly. And they have those hypersonic missiles that we're not, uh, that are maybe, and I hope not, I, I, I'm not privy to, to insider information at, uh, uh, at our defense departments, uh, um, that they may be more advanced than I, uh, we are in the hypersonic missiles. Well, they, they certainly are um, uh, pushing the hypersonic missiles, which was actually started by the Russians, um, who have a very capable rocket rocket and missile program they have for a very long time. Um, our ballistic missile defense capability is, is quite significant and is increasing uh, really by the day. Uh, so that, that continues to improve. Uh, but the reality is that the numbers they're talking about throwing at you uh, matter too. And, and so if you don't have enough numbers and you don't have 
ships and aircraft placed at the right positions, it's very difficult to defend. It's also difficult if you don't have leadership in place that is willing to make decisions and that is a, a fickle uh, leadership that the rest of the world, friends or adversaries, uh, don't know what you're going to do next. And that is a problem when you become so fickle that nobody knows whether or not you're going to defend your friends and allies or not. We are chatting with William Parker here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Uh, John Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, and myself, Dominic Carter. And Mr. Parker spent some 37 years in the Navy. We started out talking about Ukraine, a top official. And I, I guess, I guess, Mr. Parker, what Americans want to know as it relates to the situation in Ukraine is when will the end be in sight? And there's no indication of that as of yet, correct? I don't think there is an end in sight. And I, and I say that because uh, in many ways, it, it, I think Putin believes that he's backed into a corner now. Um, he has been uh, charged with war crimes. And, and quite frankly, they've said that there's over 61,000 war crimes that are committed now in Ukraine. So I think Russia feels like they're backed into a corner, into a corner where they now have to build an alignment, uh, a alignment with other countries like China, which I don't think they're really crazy about doing, but they don't really have a choice. So I don't see an end in sight anytime in the near future. Well, it, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's a very sad situation. And, um, Russian soldiers are dying. Ukrainian uh, soldiers are dying. And there's, there's always the, the question of, will the U.S. be pulled into this? What, what do you think? I think we're already pulled into this. Um, the, the fact that we're, we're spending as much money as we are while our own uh, finances and our own country are declining, I think we're already pulled into it in that way. The fact that we're sending uh, pretty high-tech equipment over there. Remember, we left $80 billion worth of equipment under this administration uh, in Afghanistan. And so we want to make sure we don't repeat that to where people are able to, our, our adversaries or potential adversaries, are able to go in and look at the equipment we have and rebuild it, uh, reverse engineer it, if you will, or just use the equipment against us, which is happening right now. Uh, not only with equipment, but with people. Remember that many of the Afghan special forces that we trained in Afghanistan for the decades that we were there are now fighting uh, in Ukraine for the Russians. Um, also, you have to look at the fact that throughout the entire 10-year perspective in Afghanistan, when, when the Soviet Union was there, they lost 15,000 troops. So far in this just over year, They've, lost, they've had 200,000 casualties and 60,000 troops have been killed. So the, the numbers are, are just huge, uh, not only for the United States and our impact, but also for, for the Russians. Uh, and, and, and by the way, I, I, I would not be surprised if you see a coup in Russia at any day. A coup, really? Well, uh, yeah. the, the, the Russians uh, are, uh, are, they want to put somebody on our radio show that will give us the Russian perspective. Well, well there you go. Uh, that, would be, that would be interesting. But I would not be surprised at all if you see uh, a major coup attempt happen uh, in the very near future. The, the, uh, the Russian people are suffering, suffering mightily as well. 
And they certainly and the oligarchs are suffering. The, the billionaires are suffering. Well, the billionaires are not only suffering, but they're being killed right and left. I mean, you know, you don't want to be a, an, an oligarch in Russia right now because you end up falling out of windows, high-story windows, or you end up uh, disappearing. Yes, 100%. Well, thank you, Bill Parker, and uh, keep fighting for our country. Keep fighting for the truth, and, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. John, it was always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, that was an interesting uh, A very interesting conversation uh, as what's going on, as it relates to what's going on. He is an honest guy. He's a straight arrow, you know, a long time in the Navy. And um, he uh, he wants the best for our country. Which is what we all want. Yeah. And again, Chad Lopez uh, served in the Navy uh, himself. Five years, Chad? Yep. Four years. Four, four years. years. Yeah. Four years. Wow. Wow. Well, now, now the problem is when we talk about hypersonic missiles. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if they, if uh, somebody aims a hypersonic missile at one of our aircraft carriers, mm-hmm. we can't stop it. You can't. You can't stop it. And there's 5,000 men and women on that aircraft. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's, like that's that. the power of the just Navy. Just like that. That's the power of the Navy. Well, the that's the power carry. of the Navy, but that's also the uh, the the weakness of the Navy. Yes. There's a, a new missile in town that you can't stop. It's scary. So when, the only thing think the United this. States could do is duplicate our version of the hypersonic missiles and say, uh, you hit us, we hit you. Right. And hopefully that's a deterrent. Hopefully. But I, I, right. I, I wouldn't want to be uh, on a nuclear aircraft carrier uh, near Taiwan right now. Very, and, very and John, you know, one, one of the, when, a, when an aircraft carrier goes out, and I, I don't know if it's still this way today, but when I was in, you'd always have two subs underneath following. And their mission, their job was, their number one job was if there was something coming in that we couldn't get away from on the aircraft carrier, they were to intercept that that missile but you can't yeah, you, put 5,000 people yeah. you, you can't put 5,000 people on uh, those subs oh, no, you, you can't, can't escape you when, can't. when you say oh, my point is they'll take the subs out and then take because it's not just the aircraft carrier well, it's the, the subs it, it, in there. Yeah. if the hypersonic missiles are coming from above how are you going to well, do that that's true too yeah, it, Chad, yes. you're right. it's, when, not, when, it's not underwater hypersonics. Right, right, right. When you say intercept, yeah. you mean the submarine takes the hit they for take the, the aircraft carrier. But not a hypersonic. He's right. Not it's, a hypersonic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you right. can't. That's coming from it's top. From a, it's, yeah. uh, if there's a torpedo coming in that they can't stop, yes, then they use them. Yeah. the uh, aircraft carriers to interfere with it. Yep. Very scary. I mean, the submarines are sub. Gentlemen, right, do we need a break now? Yes, we, we do. We do need a break. <laughs> and... we got to wake up. Somebody buy some extra coffee for the control booth. Sid is away. He's sleeping on the job. Well, when we come back, Sid and friends, in the morning, we'll talk to Bob Unanaway, who is the CEO of Goya Foods. A lot is going on, Chicago, San Francisco, as it relates to top executives. Coming up at 40 past the hour, John Solomon's Just the News. John Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, and Dominic Carter, we are here in for Sid Rosenberg. We will be right back. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends.
And good morning at 8.28 a.m. John Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, and myself, Dominic Carter. We are in for Sid and friends this morning. And right now, gentlemen, we have a uh, a special guest, someone who's an outstanding American, Bob Unanaway, who is the CEO of Goya Foods. And we say good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Dominic. And, you know, what a great success you all are, John. And, you know, Rita said, you know, you've done an incredible job with the radio station. And God bless your success. Well, we're here working 24 hours a day, 168 hours a week. And and uh, uh, and this holiday weekend, we're going to be live uh, the whole weekend. And um, it, it gives the opportunity for people to listen and have somebody to listen to and somebody to talk to. And the same way uh, the Goya people, you and, and your family, worked very, very hard on Goya Foods, one of the most successful companies in, 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 in I was going to say America, but also in Europe. And, uh, uh, and the quality of the foods that you guys put out is unbelievable. And I always talk about your beans. Even when you're not there, I talk about your beans, <laughs> the quality of your beans. And, uh, but you do so many charitable things. Uh, tell us uh, some of the things that you're working on right now when uh, trying to help people that are suffering. Well, John, uh, thanks. You know, we, we never stopped working during COVID, and I think COVID was just one of the worst things that's happened to our country, to our world. It's, you know, locked us all up, put us, uh, took away our spirit and, and, you know, our reason to get up every day, God, family, work. And in this very holy season of Passover, of Easter, of the Orthodox Easter, the following week, uh, we're in a war. We're in a war of good versus evil. One of the things, you know, we're doing besides donating food, which is so necessary, is with Goya Cares, the the children. It's about the children, the mental health, the trafficking. It's an attack, you know, uh, against the children. We're at war. There's a war of good versus evil. There's a war against the child, the family, the man. And it's the battleground, I feel, is the big cities. You know the Portlands, the Seattle's, the San Francisco, the New Yorks. We buried and, uh, we buried Chicago, Chicago yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you heard us. Yeah. We had uh, yes, you know uh, burial music going on there. with Brandon Johnson the, to the left of Lori Lightfoot. Yes, you know we're we're moving away from God, and we're under attack. And this is, you know, I I don't mean to sound uh, pessimistic, but it's we're, we're in a big battle. But I I believe there's so many good people out there and. You know the values of the big cities are not do not represent the values of the American people, with God, family, work, education. You know, moving closer to God, building, loving, and building versus hating and destroying. This administration has destroyed this country in a matter of two years. We're unraveling the, all the progress we've made. We're going backwards so fast. Saudi Arabia hates careful. us. So our biggest ally, Saudi Arabia, hates us. Israel is starting to scratch their head and backing themselves up, being friendly with Russia. Well, we've insulted everybody. We've moved away from everybody. You know, our currency is under fire now also. You know, if we don't reverse this, uh, we're in trouble. 
But this administration does not represent the values of this nation. And we're, we're dividing. There hasn't been this much of a divide since Moses divided the Red Sea. They were pitting one against the other. Look, uh, Adams threatened people, you know, conservatives to come into the city and allowed mobs to surround reporters. Uh, look at Maxine Waters. It's okay, you know, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene can't come into the city or represent a conservative view, but we can unleash the the, the venom of, of a Maxine Waters being hurt, uh, you know, go out and do harm against conservatives. This divide is killing our, our world, and we need to move closer to God and unite, love, and build. We are chatting with Bob Unanaway, who is the CEO of Goya Foods on Sid and Friends in the Morning. John Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, and myself, Dominic Carter. Mr. Unanaway, you travel a lot as a CEO. The situation in Chicago uh, is very disturbing to me on a personal level where the progressive won that contest, but not just Chicago. A great point that Chad Lopez was making to me. Look at what just happened in what San Francisco, the CEO stabbed to death. What are you talked about this a little bit, but what is going on? And as a CEO, are you concerned? With, because you do a lot of traveling uh, throughout the country. Yes, I travel around the country. Uh around the world, you know, we have facilities in, in Europe, in the Caribbean, um, you know, and we, we sell to the masses. The, the We're in all the major cities. We're in Chicago. We're in L.A. We're in, you know, Houston and, and New York, Florida, et cetera. Uh, again, these cities are, it's where the battleground is. And it doesn't necessarily, there, there's a small group. What's happening is the few controlling the many. The majority of Americans are not like this. We're not hateful. We're not destructive. But we're allowing the few. I'll, I'll give you an example. Latinx. Uh, you know, Lat, uh, Spanish is male has a male and female. Uh, the language is male and female. You know, uh, and so they, they've invented this Latinx, which is – you know, I believe it's transgender. It's all this confusion, let's say. And, you know, the, only maybe 1% of, of the Latinos even understand what the heck Latinx is. Nobody uses it. But we're allowing 1% of the people, 2% of the people, to turn this nation on its head and divide and hate this destruction has to stop. We have to move closer to God. We can't. We're moving away from God, and it's the very few. But we are a majority. The loving and building and caring people of this nation are the majority. We can't allow this minority to to destroy this nation. We're destroying this country with the hate and division. Agreed. Well, we, we want to thank you uh, for, for joining us this morning Bob, uh, Unanaway, the CEO of Goya Foods. And uh, we have to, uh, I owe uh, Bob a birthday uh, uh, dinner because it was his birthday and he was not in town. And ah. I, I hope we catch up soon and, and have a great birthday dinner. Yes, happy birthday, Bob. I love you guys. Uh, all the success and, and happy 
you know, Passover, Easter coming up uh, as we reflect on God and moving closer to him. So uh, God bless you all. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Sit in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Mother, mother, there's too many of you crying. And good morning, 8.41 a.m., celebrating Passover, Ramadan, um, you know, whichever, whichever, um, your holiday you're celebrating. Easter. Easter. <laughs> yes, right, thank right, you. Right. Greek Easter. Greek Easter. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we missed, by the way, we didn't, we didn't have a, uh, Iranian New Year. How come we missed that? Right. Wow. I mean, we did miss that. Yep. A well, lot of, uh, a lot of. Uh, American uh, Iranians mm-hmm. that love America yeah. and uh, hate the regime that's in charge right now, yeah. and uh, we should uh, honor them too. Yeah. You right. are listening, folks, to Sid and Friends in the Morning. Obviously, Sid is not here. We spoke to him during the 7 a.m. hour uh, in London. John Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, and myself, Dominic Carter, here with you. And uh, we, we're going to finish out strong this morning. We are about to chat live to John Solomon, just the news. And and coming on at 9 o'clock. Yes. Oh, the powerhouse, the former <laughs> mayor of New York City, uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani is going to come on and give us the up to date of what the heck is going on, in, uh, you know, it, with his knowledge. And 9:30 a.m. Kathy Wild of the New York City Partnership. She's always enlightening and uh, interesting to listen to. Well, let's go to John Solomon. John Solomon and just, News dot com. Uh, we worked together many, many, many years ago when uh, he was uh, at the Hill newspaper in Washington. And now he's got a very, uh, very important JustinNews.com has breaking news um, every minute of the day. Uh, John <laughs> Solomon, what's the breaking news this morning that you can enlighten us with? There's a lot going on. I, I think the big news is in Washington there is a growing concern that the Biden administration misled the uh, Congress, misled the intelligence community, misled others about what it knew about the spy uh, balloon that traversed our country about six weeks ago. We were told at the time by the president and his White House chief of staff and many of the uh, excuse me, White House spokesperson and others that the, uh, while it was cutting across the United States, the Chinese balloon was blocked from getting sensitive information from our sites. The signal was blocked. The intelligence community now says that's not true. We were it was transmitting the whole time. Sometimes we allowed it to do figure eights, meaning it would pass over a military installation three, four, five times, crisscross it, getting every possible information. A major story, a major promise by the president now turning out to be untrue. Members of Congress very unhappy about this. Some intelligence experts around the country very unhappy about this because it lulled us into thinking, well, yeah, it was an embarrassing moment, but they didn't get much intel. Now we're told, now we're being told they got a lot of intel. Interesting, wow. interesting, interesting. Now, now, uh, you know, our intel departments, uh, we go back to uh, the, the 51 security people that signed a document right. saying that the, that Russian document that, that was turned over about Trump 
was true, inaccurate, or whatever. Enlighten people on that. Your memory is much better than mine. I'm older than you. <laughs> well, listen, uh, it's, it's, it's still going on, that controversy. Just yesterday afternoon, Nick Shapiro, a former top aide to CIA Director John Brennan, was deposed behind closed doors by the House Weaponization Committee, which is looking at this very issue, which is not only did 51 former intelligence officers, including two former CIA directors, some of the most prominent intelligence figures in the American uh, community at that time in uh, fall of 2020, sign a letter saying that the um, uh, Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. Uh, it, it got bantied about and then used to censor anyone who dared talk about it on Twitter, on Facebook, and other um, platforms. So the letter had a profound effect on free speech, a profound effect on uh, the election. You heard President, former President Trump mention this in his speech on Tuesday night after his indictment. Well, uh, the investigation still goes on, but the mindset of the intelligence community that it isn't just a neutral arbiter of national security information that's now beginning to put its thumb on the scale of elections, that's becoming a very real concern. I uh, had a great interview yesterday with Fred Flights, the former chief of staff to the National Security Council, and he's very concerned that politics is now trumping national security information, meaning that, that shaping a narrative for the ruling party is more important than giving the American public and American policymakers the truth about national security threats. Yeah, and by the way, I just got some breaking news that uh, Ford is to drop AM radios from all yeah. their vehicles in 2024. Well, guess what? I'm writing a memo to all our divisions of every company we own, and we're going to buy zero Fords. <laughs> Yeah, listen, this is a big threat, and it's going to anger a large number, millions upon millions upon millions of Americans. Uh, there's no reason to do it uh, other than maybe woke ideology, but uh, but there is a and I don't concern. think there's a, I don't think there's a Ford uh, a member of the Ford family in charge anymore right now. No. So somebody better make a comeback because the people <laughs> running Ford right now and the people running General Motors, they're going to bankrupt those companies. Ford made a disclosure that they lost $3 billion in electric vehicles and, yeah. and say, oh, we'll straighten it out in the next few years. Well, they're, they're full of crap. Yeah. How do you say yeah, that? They, Where's they, that? Yeah. Where's that? They stopped they're serving customers. Yeah, they stopped <laughs> serving customers. Now they're stopping to serve investors, and I think that that's a real problem. We've seen this movement through the, the uh, corporate community of choosing ideology over your bottom line or your customers, and, and this is another example that people feel very strongly about. My guess is public pressure will lead to a turnabout on this, but it is a fascinating moment to watch this, and it follows many other different things. You see Anheuser-Busch today paying a dear price for a Bud Light campaign that used a transgender figure, uh, major country stars overnight dropping the, the beer Bud Light from its store. Uh, there is a, a grave concern that politics has gotten into the corporate world. Hey, John, and, and we're chatting with John Solomon, just the news. And, uh, you know, you just mentioned the transgender and, and Bud Light, but they're not the only ones. Nike oh. is now is now looking at the same exact thing. They have entered into right. a, uh, a, uh, a business relationship, a paid partnership with a transgender TikToker, uh, Dylan Mulvaney. And, and, you know, there are pictures of, uh, of, uh, Miss Mulvaney, uh, and, you know, and I, I, I just, I don't understand, John, what, what is going on in terms of, I, I say live and let live, but I just feel like a lot of these things, 
uh, when it comes to these issues, are literally being thrown at us, whether we want to deal with it or not. Yeah, that's literally been the, the last 10 to 15 years of our culture wars, our, our political culture experience. And I think there's a book out, uh, Amber Athey, great young journalist, who kind of chronicles what happened in newsrooms, that a young generation of college-educated journalists came in with these um, ideologies that had been embedded them through school, and they took over newsrooms, and they forced newsrooms to do things that much more senior, much more experienced news people had concerns about because it would take the voice of neutrality out of news, and it didn't matter. The uh, the younger generation won. I think you're seeing in the corporate world now a pandering effort. People think that these issues matter to millennials, that this may drive more sales. So the more uh, shocking they can be to the ideological debate, the more these marketing agencies are moving in. What they don't realize is that the vast majority of Americans don't want this sort of marketing. They want to know what the product's going to do for them, not what some influencer with an ideological bent has to say about it. And I think that for, to, make, to appease the few, they are beginning to insult the many. That, that's a, a great way of putting this. As it relates to the Trump indictment and arraignment, uh, have you heard anything in terms of we know that the former president's not due to be back in court until December, but have right. you heard anything from Team Trump or where things are going to go from, from here? Yeah, listen, I think you're going to see a triple motion assault come in. You're going to see three different types of court motions come in. The first will be to uh, ask for a change of venue, saying Alvin Bragg has poisoned the jury pool in Manhattan. Let's move this to Staten Island, obviously a a more favorable uh, part of New York for a conservative like Donald Trump. They'll get that on the record, even if they lose, because then it becomes an appeals. It it locks it in for an appellate uh, opportunity afterwards. The second thing will be a challenge on the uh, statute of limitations. That Al- The argument will be that Alvin Bragg did Olympic gymnastics here to take a two-year misdemeanor and turn it into a seven-year-old uh, felony uh, by uh, uh, stringing things together that don't seem to have anything to do with each other. A lot of lawyers who've looked at that, including um, Alan Dershowitz, people like that, say that's a very strong argument. This could be a real problem for Alvin Bragg. If that doesn't succeed, I think you're going to see a major challenge on a, a legal theory of law that has been very clearly decided in the last couple of years. Back in two, 2020, the United States Supreme Court unanimously, unanimously, in an opinion written by a liberal justice, Justice Kagan, said that you can't charge someone with defraud and convict them of defraud if they didn't try to take someone's money or property. You have to try to steal something of economic value in order to be charged with defraud. Well, that is very important. In that case, the convictions of Chris Christie's aides in Bridgegate were reversed. It was a stunning reversal. Well, that is also the current legal precedent in the New York courts. There are several rulings, including People versus Hankins, where that the courts in New York have made the same precedent. Donald Trump is 34 times charged with a felony that alleges he tried to defraud uh, the people of New York by hiding this uh, payment on his books. There is no victim. There is no property that's been thefted. There's no uh, of money being achieved. He can't rob himself. It was his own money. I think most of the legal... It was extortion. It was extortion. They have very strong feeling that when that appeal comes through, that that is going to, at least at the appellate level or the highest court in New York, uh, it's going to get overturned because the law and legal precedent are huge. So I think you're going to see three waves of court motions. And, John, the, the ridiculousness of this, when you look at the timing, that should this go to court, and I don't believe it's going to, but... But, you know, we just spoke to Judge uh, Andrew Napolitano this morning that said he believes that it is. 
And so the timing of all of this, Republican voters will be voting in the primaries while this is going on. Yeah, no, it's not unlike anything in American history. And um, and when we say we pa- passed the Rubicon, we really did. We've crossed something that we never thought we would cross in our lifetime, a political prosecution uh, targeting uh, the opposition leader of, of uh, America's you know uh, ruling parties. And I think that that's a deep, uneasy feeling that even Democrats, I talk, there's a lot of Democrats don't want to stick their head out publicly, but in private conversations, they're like, this is really, really not good. I mean, where's the ethics? The ethics. I mean, the lawyers uh, have to pass an ethics course. Uh, Where is their ethics? It is a, it's a grave concern that we may have, just like we did, just like we talked about a few minutes ago, we may have unleashed an entire generation of journalism, journalists who have taken their ideology over their obligation to be neutral and accurate. We may also have uh, unleashed an entire generation of lawyers who put politics ahead of legal canons. And I think that that's the moment we face. And, you know, there was a, a crazy moment last night on Fox News where uh, Congressman James Comer, chairman of the House Oversight Committee, said, listen, within 48 hours of the Trump indictment being listed in New York, several local prosecutors from red states called me saying, hey, help us concoct an indictment against Joe Biden or a Democrat. That is a game that's only going to get more tempting and also more dangerous for uh, the American jurisprudence system. Where justice is no longer blind in the, in the, path, in the path that we're now taking. And when you look at, and we are chatting with uh, John Solomon, uh, just the news, when you look at the fact of, here's what it sounds like. When it comes to Hunter Biden, we're investigating. Oh, we're investigating. We're looking into this. We're investigating. This has been going on for years, but yet you're gonna, uh, you're going to indict for the first time in American history the former president of the United States. It's ridiculous, John. I think you summarize so many, the silent majority of Americans feeling about this. And I think we're going to learn something very disturbing in the next two to three weeks. I think we're going to learn why the Justice Department hasn't made a decision on Hunter Biden, despite you know evidence in the open public, including his own lawyer, acknowledging that he failed to pay taxes for a long period of time in his life. Uh, I think a $2 billion bill is what uh, Hunter Biden's own team has acknowledged publicly. When people understand why that why that prosecution hasn't made a decision, it's only going to add more concern to the, the, the state of our judicial system. We're really at a, a crossroads. I interviewed Brent Tolman, a very uh, well-known former U.S. attorney, former chief counsel for the Senate Judiciary Committee, back in an earlier era of jurisprudence, and he said, I don't think Americans understand the gravity of the moment we're living in, but we're going to wake up 10 years from now and say 2022, 2023, the the, the moment we wrecked our judicial system. Well, it's very, very, very sad and uh, not, you know, it's worse than a third world country. Yeah. Yeah, we have third world countries lecturing us now. El Salvador uh, just told us, don't you dare raise democracy with us anymore after you did what you did. Uh, Mexico's president said something similar. Uh, former Soviet Republic leader saying the same. The world looking in at America doesn't recognize the America here. And many immigrants, this is something that's really 
personally touched me in the last couple of days. I've had people call me, people who emigrated from Cuba, from Venezuela, from Soviet republics where tyranny and, and banana republics were the norm. And they said, we fled that to come to this amazing country. Now we see it here. Where do we go? There's nowhere left for us to go. There's a sense of despair for people who took great pride in coming to this country legally to flee the sort of tyranny that we, we used to condemn across the world. And now we're looking at ourselves saying, have we become that country? And John Solomon, in wrapping this up, what about all the money that's going to have to be spent in terms of taxpayer dollars for the prosecution, all the overtime for the NYPD, the money? Yeah, and keep in mind Donald Trump's defense with these three investigations he faces, New York, Georgia, and and the federal investigation likely are going to exceed $50 million. That's what people are telling me, $50 million. A lot of people have said to me in recent days, including these FBI whistleblowers that have gone public, people like Steve Friend, that the current system has designed the process to be the punishment, which is even if you're found innocent, we will have drained you of money and time and resources and reputation you'll never get back. The process is designed to be the punishment. That is coming from FBI agents who are currently blowing the whistle about what they're seeing inside their own agency. John Solomon, Just the News, we thank you for joining us with John Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, and myself, Dominic Carter. You have a beautiful morning. Thank you, guys. Great to be with you. Thank you so much. And we are going to take a break, Sid and friends, in the morning. We got a 905. Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor, is going to call in. And a new surprise guest at 920, Janice Dean. Interesting. Interesting. And at 930, Kathy Wild of the New York Partnership. Good morning. Good morning, New York. Good morning, New Jersey. Good morning, Connecticut. Good morning, Pennsylvania. Good morning, wherever you can hear our voice. It is now 8.59 a.m. We will be right back right after news headlines. Is sit in friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Well, we're back, and uh, Chicago is dying. New York, New York is going to make a comeback. And with us today is America's mayor. We have Rudy Giuliani, who made New York have a comeback. And uh, he stars in, in that movie on, uh, where is it, Amazon Prime, Gotham. Have you seen Gotham yet? I haven't seen it yet. You but... have to see Gotham. It's on Amazon Prime. It stars Rudy Giuliani, Peter Vallone, and uh, Judge Weinberg. And they turned around New they, York City. They, they sure did. And I, I had a firsthand view of the success of the man that we're about to talk to right now, America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. This man was no nonsense. He took no garbage. All he cared about was turning around the city of New York, and he and did exactly 71 that. 71 squeaky men. And that's right. He he announced before, before he came into office that their day was over, and he meant it, and he's to be commended for it. He's to be commended for what he did on welfare, turning uh, the, the welfare centers into workfare centers, he really pushed this city in the right direction. The only gripe that I have with Mayor Giuliani is that I wish we could 
uh, reincarnate him, if you will, to to back to his twenties and make him mayor again. Well, there's, a, there's an Andrew Giuliani that works for WABC. That's true. Too. That's true. <laughs> That's called the uh, SOG, son of Giuliani. There you go. There you go. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. You guys are too funny. <laughs> well, you know, we want to listen. We don't mind working hard, but we have to have a little bit of good times. You guys are great together. I, I love you. Uh, we're going through a heck, heck of a time, right? I mean, the three of us are all, you know, dedicated, long-term New Yorkers. Uh, we've never seen anything like this in our city or in our country, right? Well, it's, it's you know, uh, you're uh, an attorney, and I used to have a lot of respect for attorneys. I had a lot of respect for judges. I had a lot of respect. Where is the ethics where 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 did the law profession go wrong? And 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 some of the Democratic lawyers uh, don't have the courage to stand up against the unethical lawyers. Absolutely, they in fact they go after basically they go after Trump's lawyers. We're the only lawyers who get searched. They bring bar association complaints against us when we're just doing the things other lawyers do, like. Uh, the complaint against me, they, they suspended me for being a danger of causing riots. And a federal judge dismissed that case against me. And the judge was appointed by President Obama. He could hardly be prejudiced in my favor. But the Bar Association continues to suspend me. Meanwhile, they've got a judge like this Judge Samaj, who released uh, the stepfather who killed his stepson the other day. She did that with a person who shot a cop last year. This is the second time she released a murderer. I mean, uh, Dominic, you remember, uh, I'm sure John does too, set him loose, Bruce? Yes, I, I remember I remember him well, and uh, with all due respect to his son, I just hope we don't go back to those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was really a target of Mayor Koch more than me. He was sort of almost retired when I became mayor. But we went in the 80s. Uh, he and Koch were involved in all of these disputes over cases. And he and uh, he wasn't the worst. I mean, there were a whole group of judges. They let murderers out. So this I mean, this is a, a, it's systemic now. We've got Brad doing it. We've got the DA's doing it in 50 in 50 cities. They're, they are literally I mean, I think that I think they should be prosecuted. They're, they're putting the public in jeopardy. They're putting murderers back out on the street in the name of some kind of crazy ideology. I think it's communism, but and that's where we are. And the, the case against Trump, it's just an example of that. I'll tell you, it's such a bad case that you would uh, you would give it an F if a, a law student wrote an indictment like that. John and, and, and Dominic, how can you indict somebody and tell them they committed a crime? but not tell them what crime it is. And Bragg says the law in New York allows you to do that. I, I've been, I, I can't find the law. And if it did, it would violate the Constitution. You can't bring somebody into court and say, Dominic Carter, I charge you with a crime. And Dominic says, would you please tell me the crime? Oh, gee, I'm not going to tell you. That's exactly what happened. I, saw that, in, I, I saw that in, in the movies in the 14th century. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I mean, uh, the case has to be thrown out. And if it isn't, it means we've, we don't even have a court system anymore. But uh, this is just, you know, the, the Trump thing gets a lot of attention. But this is going on, like, in this case with this murderer that's let out, Tyrese Minter. 
he, he strangles his son, his 14-year-old son. He's out on parole anyway. And the, the Bronx DA is asked to have him held. The judge, Judge uh, Naita Samaj, releases him. I, I, I mean, you can't have a safe city if that's happening. Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor, let, let, I didn't mean to cut you off, but let me ask you this question, and, and I really mean this sincerely. We need Rudy Giuliani's all over again in cities all across the country. And because of racial politics, because of the con job that progressive candidates are doing all across the country, look at Chicago. You have... Oh. Black and brown kids, babies that are dying every day. And this guy comes along with a wink, wink and a nod, nod and says, vote for me. And the community went for the okie doke, if you will. Yeah, I uh, that is you, you, you. What you're saying is exactly correct. It's an it's an exactly correct description of what's going on. in let's say 50 or 60 American cities are biggest and are most important. And they're being destroyed. Chicago is is uh, uh, really a particularly weird example. This is 55 years, Dominic, of Democrat control. 55 years of Democrat control, and they're setting records for murder. And every weekend in Chicago, it's uh, it's uh, it, it's sickening. You, you just wait for the for the death count. And you're absolutely right about. 70 to 80 percent are African-American, and a large percentage of those are just innocent kids who are caught in a crossfire. I mean, uh, sometimes when the mafia used to kill each other, uh, almost like a, 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 a dark joke, the cops would say, well, they're killing each other off. Of course, they'd investigate it and try to catch them. But a lot of these people that are getting killed, Dominic, are innocent people. How often do we get a case where a kid in New York is caught in a crossfire, uh, either wounded seriously or killed? Well, that happens in Chicago even more. So how they don't how they don't come to the defense of the innocent? I I just I don't understand that. I don't know how they can live with themselves. Well, I'll tell you, it's just uh, uh, in the education system. You know who's suffering the most in the education system, uh, Rudy? Yes. It's the black and brown kids are suffering the most. And our education, I think America is number 58 now in the education system in the world. Where is the future of the United States of America if we're number 58 in education? John, and it's also, if you think about it, it's a racist system. And Africans have been complaining about this for some time, that a lot of the inner city schools the administration is racist. And what I mean by that, by that is 70 to 75 percent of African-American and Hispanic parents want vouchers. They want school choice. They want to be able to put their child in the school that they pick. Ninety percent of the Democrat politicians, including the African-American Democrat politicians, are against that because they're paid off by the teachers union. And uh, th- that is uh, that is directly contrary to the wishes of your constituency, and directly contrary to what is obviously best for that community. And when you vote that way, you're you're voting in a in a racist way, and corrupt. 
it. I mean, that is a major, a major, it should be a major breakthrough. It should be the thing that gets them to stop voting Democrat. 75% want their kids in the school of their choice. The Democratic Party, ruled by the teachers' union, is blocking it. Yet they vote Democrat for 55 years. Somehow, I almost think that we, those of us who, who, who agree with the 75% of the parents, don't do a good enough job of, of making it a, almost like a single issue. I think you could flip large numbers of the, it's not a, no longer the minority community, but the black and Hispanic community, if you just educated on that one issue. It also proves there are uh, just as many good black and Latino parents as there are white parents. And in many ways, that policy is a racist policy. It's the school board saying, we know better how to educate your child than you do. And I've actually seen white representatives of the union say, well, many of these parents aren't educated. Well, a lot of a lot of Greek, Italian, Jewish, Irish parents weren't educated when they came here, but they made sure their kids were educated. It's the same thing with black and Latino parents. And a lot of them are educated, by the way. It's different than it used to be. But even the ones that are not educated, that means they can't make decisions about the education of their children. I mean, our whole society was based on that, and it did pretty well. Mr. Mayor, you you are 1,000% correct. 1,000% correct. And that that's what I've always uh, liked about you, because as you know, and you know well, you and I have not always seen eye to eye. But as I have matured and and, gone, and grown as a person, I have come around to your you way to of be, thinking. Wait, wait, you mean, Dominic, you used to be a size 32, now you're a size 40? <laughs> <or what? laughs> You know, if I'm not a liberal when I'm 20, I have no heart. And and, no, go ahead, go ahead, Mr. Mayor. Please say it again. Say it again. Uh, Churchill used to say, "If you're not a liberal when you're 20, you have no heart, and if you're not a conservative by the time you're 40, you have no brain." Uh, uh, Well, that's uh, that's uh, that's pretty true because you know, as you get older and then you have your own children, you worry about them. So when exactly. you start to, you know, when you're 20 years old, you don't worry about yourself. You know, you go driving cars at 90, 100 miles an hour. You don't worry about yourself, but you would never want your kids to do that. So that's why you're right. a liberal at 20 and a conservative at 40 or 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, I think that's, a, you know, that's, a, that's been the case for many, many people. And I have to say one thing about Dominic. Even when we would disagree, and we disagree, you know, always respectful. Yes. Yes, respected Dominic as uh, honestly asking about his viewpoint. And I think he respected me for giving him honest answers. There's no think about it. I definitely respected and currently respect you, Mr. Mayor. I'm going to tell you why in just one second. But we've also been joined in studio by the other owner of WABC, owner-operator, Margot Casamitidis. Good morning, Mrs. Casamitidis. Good morning, everyone. I'm glad you're coming to work, and I'm glad you you helped make a difference here. Thank you very much. Hey, Mr. Mayor, what I just just wanted to say to you is that um, you didn't do a Lori Lightfoot, right? You remember when Lori Lightfoot said, and I'm still outraged at this, she said she would not sit down with white reporters. You you didn't. Oh, my God. That's what she said. 
Oh, you, my God. You, you didn't do that, Mr. Mayor. You knew in advance that every day that I was coming at you with the toughest question that one could imagine each and every day before all the live television cameras, was there a single time that you didn't take my question? Because I don't recall a single time no, I, where I, you took every single question. I mean this, and I'm not just saying this to you, Dominic. I thought you and some of the other reporters, because a lot of them were tough on me, I thought they made me a better mayor. It meant in the morning I'd, I'd have to have a meeting. I'd have to find out everything that was going on. I'd have to try to figure out what you were going to ask me. <laughs> I'd have to have an which, means, which means if you guys were doing your job and you were raising problems about the city, I was doing my job. I was trying to get it solved before you asked me. I mean, I would love it when somebody like you or one of your colleagues would bring up something. Do you know about the terrible problem in the in the Bronx and they haven't collected garbage for three weeks? And I said, well, I'm glad you brought that up. I, this morning we dispatched someone there to do it. I didn't know, wasn't always able to do that. But I, I do believe, I, told, I gave this as advice to Bloomberg, actually. I said, don't run away from those press conferences. Use them to make you a better mayor. I mean, sometimes you'd get a whacked-out question, so that would happen once in a while. But most of the time, the reporter, no matter how pro or con they were, they're trying to find problems that they're bringing up to you to challenge you as a mayor. So if you prepare for them, it means you're always on top of things. Now, if you do the Biden thing and you don't have them, honestly, you don't know what's going on. You find out about everything two days too late. So I I, uh, strongly recommend having many press conferences. I think it makes you a better mayor, governor, president. And I I, I appreciated that. Mr. Uh, mayor, we appreciate you. Go you. ahead, Mr. Katsimatidis. Thank you so much. And uh, you can hear Rudy Giuliani every day, Monday through Friday, from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And he says to me he's not working hard enough. He needs more hours. We're going to find it for him. And also on Sunday mornings. At 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings, following my the Cats Roundtable, my show. John, John. Yes. You know, I don't know. This, this is true on every show I've been on. And the first thing I noticed on ABC, the first four or five weeks, we have a very smart audience. It's not like it used to be 20 years. I used to substitute for Bob Grant years ago when I was U.S. attorney. And a lot of the people were crazy that called up. Remember the fights that they would have? They were fun, but they were like crazy. Our listeners are really, really smart. I was shocked when I came back to doing it, how smart they are. Well, thank you. You've done a great job. You and since Margo is there, she does have a lot to do with the judge. And and we did hire uh, SOG. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Son of Giuliani, Andrew Giuliani, a very smart kid, very d- dynamic you're, kid. You're uh, you know, you, you know, you made some good kid, Dick. Uh, you know, uh, Rudy. Well, his mother gets great credit for it. Also, I must say, Donna did a great job. Yes, but uh, reality, the reality is that the two of you are doing something that doesn't get noted, and we do. Dominic sees it, and we talk about it all. We the sure time. do, Mr. Mayor. You're opportunity for free speech at a time when that doesn't happen on about 80% of the stations and networks, maybe 90%. That takes guts, John, because you get a lot of, you get a lot of feedback for that and bad. Well, we, 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 we hired and a lot of people that weren't in, uh, in, uh, in other words, uh, we were threatened that we're going to lose our advertisers. I told them, go take a hike. 
and we we, yeah, we hired him anyway. Great. And now you're doing great, but it took guts to get there. Yeah. And Margot is a big part of that, I have to say. You know thank what the blackjack you. dealer? Oh, thank you. you know what the blackjack told me in Las Vegas? No guts, no what? glory. <laughs> well, you got plenty of that. <laughs> <laughs> and now some glory is coming. <laughs> thank you so much, Rudy, and we'll catch up again real okay. soon. I'll be listening thank at you. 3 o'clock this afternoon on WABC. Thank All you. Right. Take care. Uh, we're going to take you, a, a break right now, and there's no uh, Janice Dean uh, today. Uh, maybe another day. She's going to think about what she wants to talk about because I told her that uh, we can't do anything too crazy. Uh, and I, I believe we got, after the break, we probably have Kathy Wild, yes, who is CEO of the New York City Partnership. One smart lady, represents the 200 largest companies in New York. And let's take that break. I want to wake up in a city that doesn't sleep. And find I'm king of the hill, top of the heap. These little town blues. Talk Radio 77. WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Good morning. We are back. Sid and friends in the morning. John Katsimatidis, Dominic Carter, Margot Katsimatidis. It is great to be here with you two, the owner-operators of WABC. And we have a great song playing in the background. Great music. And so, Mrs. Katsimatidis, I've got a question for you. I've got a question for you. So this came up on on uh, the Midnight Show, which I host uh, last night. And I I got a little hot under the collar at a caller because, um, you know, you folks uh, don't talk about the things that you do to help people. And some of us see it on a daily basis. And you and you probably won't talk about it now and you know it's not for me to say that what you don't want out there publicly. But what I want to ask you Mrs. Katsimatidis is why do you do what you do? Because I've watched you I've watched you for years with the PAL and the food drives that you do and the money that you put up out of your own pockets. I've watched how you treat your own employees. I I've watched how you treat me, okay? The the, the the gifts at the holiday time and so on. Why do you do what you do? Well, John and I, we just always want to give back. And part of that is always giving the children, young children and everyone else hope and believing in a better tomorrow and that, you know, we have our hand out so they can stand up and rise on their own and go forward. So we try to give them confidence and encouragement and try to be as positive as we can. So we do it uh, from our heart, and I, we're fortunate enough to be able to do that. Well, thank you for, for what you two do. In a, in a minute, we're going to uh, take a break and also talk to uh, uh, Catherine Wilde of the New York Partnership about the latest things that's going on uh, with her. Mr. Casman, do you want to chime in here? 
Well, you know, we're talking about the Police Athletic League, and and Margot and my daughter uh, uh, work hard on uh, a lot of those kids. Uh, I remember my discussions with uh, Commissioner Kelly or Commissioner Bratton, and there was a hundred black and brown kids in that corner, and I would turn to one of them and say, "How many of those one hundred can we save?" And I, I've I seen wish it was a hundred, but it's not. Maybe it's twenty. Maybe it's thirty. Maybe it's forty. You know, and I, I I've seen I've seen each of you on on Saturday mornings, and I've said this before. At at nine o'clock, eight o'clock on a Saturday morning, come to the middle of Harlem with no security uh, escorting you. Not because you're coming to Harlem that you need security, but but the point I'm making is that you each come on your own. Dominic, your prejudice. You know, the, you know you're the first thing, the first thing. You know, I felt. Yeah, Dominic's going to ask me, "Are you carrying your gun when you go to Harlem?" No, no, I, I, I would not ask you that. But, but, I, but I have noticed that um, I have a permit for forty years. Wow, wow, maybe fifty. I don't know. I lost track. I, again, and I'll never forget this when I when I arrived at the uh, PAL in, in Harlem, and it was early in the morning. You there, were nervous. There, there, <laughs> there, there was no one there. Setting up. I mean, it was early. It was like five hours before the event. There was one person there who happened to be your wife, and she had these bikes for the kids, and and she was setting up stuff by by herself, and was glad to do it. And then who walked in behind her? Your daughter, and then she went over to the side with the kids and started doing artwork with yeah, them. The face painting. The face painting. Yes. 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 Well, I, I just want to thank you, and I'm not saying this because you're you're my big boss. I'm saying it because I'm speaking from the heart. I thank to, you. I'm trying to lose weight. <laughs> well, well, I'm I'm with you on that one, Mr. Katzmatidis. So, you know, on behalf of New York, we, I, I want you to know it doesn't go unnoticed what the two of you do, well, and in you. particular, in my case, I see what I know you try to help all kids, but I see what you're doing for for. African American Latino kids that look just like me in terms of helping to feed them, in terms of showing them that there is a way out. Yes. That there is a way out. And so I, I thank you for that. And uh I just wanted to ask you that because I get a little short tempered when people may bring up something on the radio and oh, what are the Casamatidis doing? And it's like are, are you serious? What what do do you see the turkey drives with with the senior citizens that don't have anything to eat? And and you're giving them turkeys all around the city, I mean. Yes. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> well, thank you, Dominic. We, we thank you, Mrs. Katsimatidis. Uh, sitting friends in the morning, Dominic Carter here with John Katsimatidis, Margot Katsimatidis, the owner operators of WABC. We're going to take a break. Seventy-seven WABC. This is sitting friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Memphis, but I lived in Nashville for two years. Ah, okay, okay. 
Well, good morning. And that's John Casamitidis, Margot Casamitidis, myself, Dominic Carter. I'm enjoying the music. It's great music. And uh, that, yeah, that's what it's all about. I, I enjoy doing this morning show, a little bit of music, a, little, a few jokes here and there, and uh, a lot of facts and uh, letting everybody know uh, what the heck is going on. And uh, I understand we have Kathy Wild now. We do, who heads the uh, New York City Partnership. We say good morning to you, Catherine Wild. Good morning, gentlemen, and Margot. Thank you. Good morning. Kathy, uh, what, what, what's going on? I mean, uh, you're always in, in front of things, and I understand there's a new campaign in New York that you're helping facilitate. Yes, indeed. We have a campaign that's seeking to remind New Yorkers what we love about New York City. We've been so focused through the pandemic and even before that, through the de Blasio administration, on what was wrong and what divides us. And so what we're trying to do is remind everybody what's great about New York, stop complaining and do something. And, and, and that changes from uh, they used to. We used to say, "I love New York." Now we're saying, "We love New York." Uh, why the change? And uh, that way, everybody can understand it. No change in the "I love New York," which is the state statewide New York statewide tourism campaign that started back in 1977. What we did was we said we need to focus right now on New Yorkers. Because we know that public sentiment of New Yorkers has gotten pretty negative. And it, uh, what we've got to do is inspire them, encourage them to turn, turn their negativity into positive energy. They can volunteer. The mayor announced a big volunteer program with New York City Service last, uh, last month, last week. And, but not only that, they can vote. We have a election of all the city council members is this year. So we've got to remind New Yorkers, you know, more than only about 20, 25 percent of people who are registered to vote actually show up at the polls. We get what we deserve. We've got to get them out to the polls. Um, So we're trying to remind what's positive. And I do want to give join Dominic and giving a shout out, uh, John, to Red Apple Group and the fact that this morning I heard that D'Agostino's and Gristiti's stores are going to join in promoting the We Love New York campaign. So I got, I got the call last night. Uh, I was uh, half asleep because I worked double shift yesterday about 10 o'clock at night. And from Joe Parisi, the president of D'Agostino and the president of Gristiti's, that were putting up signs in the windows. Yes, absolutely. And those signs are going to direct your, uh, the public to our website, to our uh, social media accounts, to all the efforts where they can find out, first, celebrating those New Yorkers who are doing something, like uh, was described what you and Margo were doing and the others with the volunteers that support the PAL program. That's one great example. But everybody's got to do something. We can't, you know, New York, we saved New York in the 70s because everybody stepped up and participated. We didn't wait for government to fix everything. We, we did it. 
the Brooklyn back to Brooklyn Brownstoners and the um you know, we started the Crime Stoppers program, which is a real partnership between citizens and the police that's still going on. And the I Love New York campaign was launched to bring tourists back to the city. There's so much we can do, but people have gotten used to waiting for government to fix everything. So that's what this is about, and we're excited about it. I, I have a question as it relates to uh, your members of the partnership and the huge shoplifting uh, problem that's occurring, and it seems like it's getting worse, and uh, a couple of stores have hired uh, canine units, and I think that's wonderful because the shoplifting has to stop. But what's the very latest in terms of uh, the, 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 the members of your organization putting in private security, and where does it stand on the shoplifting issue? The shoplifting issue is somewhat better. At least we're not having the, the as dramatic smash and grabs, the the very dramatic things that we had uh, during the pandemic where you saw um, windows being broken, et cetera. But on the other hand, we're seeing that uh, all all the drugstores have to keep the um, plastic over, uh, you know, I was, I was shopping in Walgreens this weekend and uh, you know, you wait forever to get somebody to unlock where you where the shampoo is, and that's a, a real annoying thing. But it re, it's all it's not just annoying; it's part of what depresses New Yorkers about: Are we going back to the bad old days? We see that we see the shoplifting in small stores. I went to my hairdresser last week, and the the front door was locked, and I, I'd never seen that before. I said, "Why is the front door locked?" They said, "Because there've been three robberies on the street in the last week. So we've got a problem. The shoplifting is because it's a a misdemeanor. You've got serial shoplifting. There is an effort in legislation and by the district attorneys in all five boroughs now to really crack down and to to aggregate crimes. So going in and stealing $900 worth of stuff, which keeps you on, you know, keeps you from being arrested or uh, it's certainly incarcerated, it's now they're able to aggregate. If the same person comes in every day and steals $900 worth of stuff, after they get over $1,000, they are in trouble. So hopefully we're putting together those efforts. There's also legislation being pushed to try and make serial shoplifting a more serious crime. So I think there's the attention on it. Is it fixed yet? No. But are we headed the right direction? I believe so. We are chatting with Catherine Wilde of the New York City Partnership. So I want to make sure that I, and I'm Dominic Carter, along with John Katsimatidis, Margot Katsimatidis, Sid and Friends in the Morning, and we are wrapping up this morning. I want to make sure I got this right, Ms. Wilde. So you're telling me that it's being fixed somewhat, but are you telling me that that these, uh, whatever term you want to use, people that are shoplifting, that they know the law so well that they would come in to steal $900 per day? And how is a business supposed to survive like that? They're not. They're closing. Uh, all the Rite Aid stores closed in New York. Yeah. No, it's it's a real problem. I, I All I'm saying is that the problem has now been recognized by the politicians and others thanks to the advocacy of of many of the merchants and associations and the local business improvement districts who have raised hell about it because it's really making things difficult for everybody. And when you think about 
what is making New Yorkers feel negative about our city? This is a real visible problem that they see in their neighborhood every day. This is making New Yorkers feel negative. So we finally got the attention. And as I say, the the DAs are setting up special efforts to deal with it. Unfortunately, it's been very expensive for small merchants. So the problem is far from solved. But we are all going to focus on getting this fixed. I mean, this is part of the We Love NYC campaign. Part of it is recognizing what's wrong and doing something about it. And this is one of the items at the top of the list. Kathy, I understand some of the people around Governor Hochul have said said to her that things are better, the numbers are better. Well, somebody's not telling her the truth because – People are still worried about going on the subways. People are still worried about walking uh, home after having dinner, and it's after dark. Uh, and uh, and 484,000 New Yorkers have left town. I don't know who's going to pay the taxes and well, pay the new budget. Well, just and, to be and, clear. And, and on top of that is I understand that they want to go after all the businesses now. Uh, there's a new... Uh, uh, thing that the attorney general might be doing. So are you going to go after the consumers? Go after the businesses. Tell them that. And the new one this morning, Kathy, you ready for this one? Ford has announced no AM cars after 2024. Who the heck is Ford to announce that they don't going to have AM in their cars, AM radio? Well, I'm putting out a memo to all our divisions, all companies. We are not buying any more Ford cars. Wow. So the government's regulating everything. I want to correct one thing, John. Governor Hochul has already held up the New York state budget for a week because she recognizes the importance of doing something about public safety. I I commend her publicly. I said she is one tough Irish girl, and I respect her, love her, and she has to stand up because she has to decide who's going to be governor of New York, her or the state senate. Well, I think she's working hard to make that point right now and deserves uh, some credit for that. So totally agree with you. Well, we support her. Glad to hear that. Yes. Well, Catherine Wilde, as always, we thank you for joining us here on the morning show. And I I hope things work out for you and your members, because uh, as Mr. Katsimatidis just said, uh, for lack of a better term, we need you and the other businesses to pay taxes to keep this city afloat. And well, that is well, the is bottom line. Is there a line. new song? There used to be a song called I Love New York. Is there, now a diff- is there a different song? New York, New York, it's a hell of a town. It is a hell of a town. <laughs> no, no, that's the, that's the song for Chicago. We're, we're playing taps for Chicago because we're having a funeral for Chicago. Well, actually, New York, New York... Uh, opens on Broadway in a couple weeks. So we do, in fact, have the show coming back. So that's very exciting. Catherine Wild, thank you very much for joining us. I'm Dominic Carter here along with John Katsimatidis and Margot Katsimatidis, the owner-operators of WABC. Sid, in the morning and friends, we've got to take a break. We're going to do exactly that at 9.54 a.m. Great music in the background. We'll be back in just a moment.
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. And we are back in studio. We only have about 40 seconds left. Well, it was, John it, 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 I was happy to work with you, Dominic. It's and, been uh, great. We it's had a lot of great. fun. We, we told everybody the news, and we had a lot of fun at the and same time. Margo Katsimatini's with us, and Chad Jay. Lopez. Yes, yes, Dominic. Great show today, John. And great I'll, show. I'll be working tonight at 5 o'clock. You're working at midnight. Yes. And I'll be back tomorrow morning. And you have a book and signing. tomorrow, a book signing tonight for 400 people in Manhattan. Great. And, great. Uh, and tomorrow morning, it's Katz and SOG. <laughs> Son of Giuliani. <laughs> and, and you're also going to be on Fox uh, a little bit later I'll on today. I'll be on Fox at 11.45 yeah. this morning. Yep. Fantastic. And, and we are and, live uh, all weekend long. All the, weekend all long. All weekend long. Live. Wow. Curtis is going to work about 40 hours this weekend. <laughs> and uh, thank yeah. you all for listening, and uh, God bless America. And